Welcome to the Big 3 IDP Podcast. Here are your hosts, Josh, Bobby, and Adam. What's up, you diehards, you degenerates, you lovers of defensive football? This is Josh Raymer, and we are back with another episode of the Big 3 IDP Podcast. And not just any episode, folks. This is the mega NFL Draft Recap Pod that you have been fiending for. We brought you all the IDP Prospect Preview earlier this week with Joey the Tooth. Well, we had to come back for an encore here on Saturday. The draft just wrapped up a few hours ago, all seven rounds complete. Somehow there was not a major technical meltdown, so that is a small miracle. But to celebrate the NFL Draft being in the books, we have something very special for you all. We are going to split the draft in half and talk about offense and defense separately so both sides of the ball get the love that they deserve. So up first, you are going to hear Adam and Bobby with a very special guest, fantasy guru bro himself, Ben Ratty from our XFFL League will be joining uh, Adam and Bobby to break down the offensive side of the ball. They also wrap things up with a mock draft. So if you're wondering what a rookie uh, mock draft might look like that includes IDP, they're going to go through three rounds for you. And then after the break, we're going to come back with myself, Adam, the one and only Mike Wollert, and Lee Andrews, also from our XFFL League, filling in for Bobby. And we're going to break down 17 landing spots for the top defensive players in this class. It's a megapod. It's three-plus hours of draft recap goodness. So enough preamble. Let's get into it. Take it away, Adam, Bobby, and Ben. All right, so here we are tonight. I got myself, IDP Bob. We got at item IDP and debuting tonight, fantasy guru bro, Ben Ratty. What's going on, everyone? Uh, it's fantasy guru bro on Twitter, Ben Ratty, um, aka a member of the little three, as we call ourselves for now. Um, so we've been doing a little podcasting for our league and yeah, I guess I'm coming up to the big leagues tonight, so I'm excited to be here, boys. Heck yeah, we're glad to glad to call you up to the bigs tonight, Benny. You know, not too many people can say that they have owned uh, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Leonard Fournette, Aaron Jones, James Conner, all in the same year. Oh, and Daryl Henderson, Devontae too. Adams, Tyreek Hill, Adams. Travis Kelsey. Okay, okay, we get it, we get it. <laughs> yeah, it's true, man. Ben does have one of the dirtiest rosters I've ever seen. So, uh, And Ben's like, what, shit? Are you even 21, Ben? Yeah, 21 recently, so. He's a sharp, awesome. he's a sharp kid. He's a very sharp kid, and we're awful proud of him. Repping the bronze jersey and everything tonight. Yeah. Yeah, smart. So we will, it is, it is. I'm glad you're a bronze fan, man. That's, uh. There's, there's, everyone should be a Braun fan. Braun should never receive any hate ever. Oh yeah, I'm just waiting for that LeBron last dance. That's gonna be sick. Oh yeah, that documentary for sure. So let's go ahead and jump right into it, boys. Uh, we're gonna talk some offense. Um, I think as of just a couple minutes ago, we are officially three rounds into the 2020 NFL draft. We're gonna jump into the QBs, the running backs, the wide receivers. We might talk a couple of tight ends. And all the craziness that has ensued 
um, especially tonight uh, through the second and the third round particularly. Um, you know, a little bit of the chaos that has happened has been um, rookie draft picks and how their value has probably escalated and um, – Man, the first and second rounds have probably shifted around a ton from the first uh, first night to the second. So uh, let's just go ahead and jump right into this first round, and let's go ahead and start off. We all knew what was going to happen. Joe Burrow to the Cincinnati Bengals. What do you boys think? Yeah, love that. I mean, that's uh, you know that's that's what you got to have there. You got to have a quarterback to turn things around and. Uh, I think he's going to be really good, and and he's got great weapons already to start his career. They've uh, they drafted T. Higgins. Um, yeah, man, uh, Joe Burrow is going to be awesome. Um, what do you think? Yeah, no big surprise. Um, I actually saw some dudes blowing smoke on Twitter that Burrow might not want to play for Cincy, and he might try to get out of there. But none of that came to fruition. They made the pick, and I think it's a slam dunk. Um, my only worry with Burrow is just his age. Um, you know, I wonder what some of the all-time great quarterbacks would have done if they got to play at 23 in college. But, you know, it was unique circumstances that put him there. He was competing at Ohio State where they routinely have, you know, top quarterbacks. They had Dwayne Haskins, so you can't really blame him. And then he showed out um, when he got comfortable at LSU. So I'm a big fan of the pick for the Bengals. Yeah, I guess – Maybe one of my questions with Burrow, I guess, for fantasy is going to be, you know, dynasty, especially IDP wise. Um, how far did he drop tonight just because of some of these scenarios we're going to talk about here in a little bit? You know, the T. Higgins grad that we'll talk about in the second round is pretty dope, but um, man, that makes super flex leagues even more difficult too, Adam. Yeah, he's, uh, I mean, so in super flex leagues, he's probably still going to be right there at the top. When you think um, he's got to, but in, in single quarterback leagues, I mean, gosh, he could slide to the back of the second now. Right. Just because there's, as we'll get to, there's just so many nice guys who landed in, you know, primetime spots. So that's, and, yeah. and even, you know, some of the IDP guys, you know, didn't land in his greatest spots either. So that'll push those guys back a little bit. So, I mean, this thing's going to be like, you know, 30 deep, I think. Uh, and I think and, you'll be pleased. And the thing with Burrow, too, is like he's walking into a legit team, um, you know, and the grab with Higginson. I actually love like giving him more offensive weapons. You've got Joe Mixon. Um, wow, that could be dirty. So, yeah, we all think Burrow's going to be great. Let's get to these next two guys. Let's talk about them together. So, the fifth pick overall, Tua. Yep, Tua. Out of Alabama. To, uh, We're going to leave it at that. And then the sixth pick, Justin Herbert, went to the Chargers, uh, the quarterback there from Oregon. So we got a Miami boy here in Ben Ratty. Uh, ben, give me your two a take. Oh, man. So I'm a lifelong Dolphins fan pretty much. I actually started out as a Giants fan, so I can't say lifelong, but I got on the Dolphins bandwagon pretty quickly. It's not really a bandwagon because they've never been good, but I'm ecstatic with the pick. Um, that's what I was hoping we take at number five. Um, you know, like we got burned in the past specifically on Drew Brees because we got spooked off by some medicals. And so I would really hate to see that 10 years from now, we're looking back. We missed out on another great quarterback because of some failed medicals. And I'm 
honestly, at this point, as a Dolphins fan, I would feel okay if in a year Tua is re-injured or something like that happens. God forbid. But just I feel like the risk is worth it when you've been where we've been. You know, you got to swing big. Yeah, for sure. It was tank for Tua. I mean, that that was the goal all along. And he's looked good uh, in the in these videos that he's been releasing. I know that you can, you know, you can make those things look better than, than they actually are. But I mean, by everything that we've seen and heard, everything seems to have check, checked out okay for him. So, yeah, uh, I mean, I love it for uh, I love it for Preston Williams. I love it for mm-hmm. um, Devonte Parker, um, Mike Gesicki. Yeah, nice, nice there for him too. Who have uh, and they have have they they haven't addressed running back yet, have they? No, and I'll I'll be scarred as a Dolphins fan because we were one pick away from CD Lamb falling into our lap <laughs> and pairing Tua with CD Lamb for the next however long, and so I'm sure Austin. I'm not. 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure Austin Jackson's going to be a fantastic player and offensive line is a neat, but I would have loved to see CD there. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, that would have been sick. What, um, to a play at all this year, you think, Ben? I am praying that he does not. Yeah. Um, I think that's knowing smart. our front office, we mu- our front office typically would be the type to rush it, but I think Brian Flores isn't really the type to rush it. He struck me as pretty disciplined and committed to the long term vision. So, yeah. That's smart, man. You know, tank for uh, Travis. That's a good one. A little Travis at the end share. Grab him yeah. in 2021. That'd be a better pairing. <laughs> so let's get to uh, Justin Herbert real quick. Either of y'all big Justin Herbert guys? Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I'm okay with him. I mean, I, I think he uh, – yeah, I, I think he, he'll he be able to sling it around, you know, quite a bit. And I don't think it's going to hurt uh, that he has some really nice weapons to do that with, you know. Mm-hmm. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams – Hunter Henry, Austin Eckler, that's a big winner out of all this uh out of the draft so far. I mean, he he For sure. he's had no more competition come in. Um mm-hmm. yeah, I I mean, it's all set up for Herbert. Herbert arguably has the best weapons out of the quarterbacks right now. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I I like Herbert. Ready? Yeah, Herbert kind of strikes me as uh, the same type of mold as Josh Allen, a little raw, but, you know, really big physical guys. But I think he might be, in my opinion, a more polished uh, passer than Allen was. Uh, Doesn't have the same type of rocket. It's not like he could throw an 80-yard bomb. Like, I think Allen Mm -hmm. actually might be able to, but I think – he might take a year or two, but I think he's going to be a nice player. He's got nice, uh, nice hair, though. Not, not forget that. Yeah, the flow. Yes, sir. I like Herbert, man. I, I agree, Adam. I think he might be walking into the best situation. Um, you know, probably helped himself a little bit with the combine. He had a really good combine. Um, showed out pretty well. Uh, I know the need there at six um, for the Chargers. You know, you don't really want to have to run with, uh, uh, I almost said Deshaun Kaiser. Uh, it's not Deshaun Kaiser, Tyrod Taylor forever, um, which he'll probably play a couple games. But yeah, yeah, Herbert's probably the long term guy there. It'll be similar to the Cleveland situation, right? Oh yeah, with Baker, like he'll he'll get out there for three or four games, and then the the fans will start throwing stuff on the field. And yeah, we've seen enough. <laughs> or maybe the fans won't be there, so they can't throw anything. That's more likely. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not a lot of fans going to those games. So 
Let's get to the meat and potatoes now. Enough of this quarterback nonsense. So let's get to the first wide receiver off the board. The 12th pick in the draft, Alabama wide receiver, Henry Ruggs, the first wide receiver to be drafted. Not sure that any analysts actually had um, Henry Ruggs going over the likes of Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb, but um, uh, the Raiders decided to take him there at 12. So y'all happy with that? Um, Was it a reach? Uh, Give me your thoughts. Al Davis smiling, looking down. <laughs> that's the uh, Ben shared a tweet today in the Slack about that. That's, uh, but yeah, that's that was a thing on Twitter, right, Ben? Yeah, yeah. It was like um, Al Davis's son said his dad was smiling down when the Raiders made their pick. <laughs> uh, the baldest thing about Rugs was just the uh, just that like white robe he had on like while he's just chilling at his house the old spice was he sponsored by old spice that's all i could think it was yeah that's he all. was i noticed a lot of those guys were a lot of those guys are sponsored by old spice pizza hut you know all the essentials crazy so are y'all happy with that pick it doesn't make much sense to me i'm not upset with it i thought rug should go in the first round i thought he should probably go in the top 15 just because he adds a new dimension to an offense but how can you really justify that a player in the same offense with the same quarterback produce not nearly as much but you take him first like I don't know. I, I just can't really justify in my head a reason to take Henry Ruggs over Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb, but especially Jerry Judy when you're when you're going to look and say that, no, we think he's going to be better in the NFL than he was in college. So it's an interesting, interesting pick. Yeah. Is he, uh, but is he like, you know, a Tyreek Light? I, I guess obviously what, what they see in him. So, you know, could we see that happening? I I I could maybe see it, but he doesn't remind me of Tyreek in his quick twitch. Um, he's got that Tyreek long speed, but I don't. Re- when you're watching his tape, you don't really see a lot of those, you know, crazy spin move, juke moves like Tyreek does, and then he accelerates out of them, and he's ten yards ahead of everyone. Yeah. It's kind of like he builds up his speed, but then you know, if you give him a little bit of space, he's gone. That's a great assessment, uh, Ratty. Uh, when we went and watched, um. The Titans and Kansas City play um, last year. When Tyreek got the ball, it was just like it was very twitchy. It was very like herky jerky. Like he was so like hard to actually like pin down what he was going to do. And it wasn't necessarily that he was twenty yards down the field. I mean, even in like screen passes and stuff, it was hard to kind of analyze him. So yeah, I agree. I do think that um, the whole Tyreek Hill. Uh, kind of narrative of of how he plays into that Kansas City offense. You've got all these other teams that are trying to like emulate that, you know. So I'm sure that's what Gruden's doing there with Rugs. They're trying to, you know, and we'll see here later on when they go wide receiver, wide receiver again. Uh, clearly, the teams in that division, not only them but Denver as well, are just trying to compete on the scoreboard with Kansas City. Yep. So let's jump down here to um, when Jerry Judy actually uh, comes off the board, the 15th pick, um, the Alabama wide receiver goes to the Denver Broncos and Drew Locke. Um, So um, what do you boys think about this one? Um, 
I'm still on the fence about it, but Adam, give me your take. Well, um, maybe we're all under, I mean, I know a lot of people aren't, you know, getting all hot and bothered about him going there. Um, but maybe we're all underestimating Drew Locke, you know, maybe yeah. what if Drew Locke's actually is, is, is really good, which he showed some, uh, he showed quite a bit of promise last year, uh, in some moments. Um, but yeah, I mean, they've, they've done a really good job of, of putting talent around him as well, you know, with Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant brought in Melvin Gordon. Um, mm-hmm. then they drafted someone else later on. What was it? Hamler. Is yeah. that right? Um, KJ Hamler. So, yeah, I mean, he's, it's all set up for him. Um, I like it. I mean, uh, I, I think uh, I think he could do really well there. Yeah, I think it's funny when um, when the Broncos took Paxton Lynch uh, and they kind of sat him for a few years. And I, a lot of people in Denver at least accused the Broncos of not really setting him up for success. And I think they might have taken that to heart because you cannot set someone up for more success than Drew Locke right now. They've got Noah Fan at tight end who could be a stud. Corlin Sutton emerged. Jerry Judy was probably my number one wide receiver and one of the best route runners I've ever seen. They get KJ Hamler to go along with that. And then, oh, by the way, they just added Melvin Gordon to a running back room that already had Philip Lindsay, who's a beast. And Royce Freeman, Ben. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Royce Freeman too, Bobo. <laughs> yeah, man. I think uh I think y'all are exactly right. I think um let's not sell uh Drew Locke just yet, you know. Um great situation. Um I mean you could almost say kind of the same thing as Herbert. You could almost say the same thing as um uh, top of the draft, uh, freaking Burrow. You know, you got a lot of these young wide receivers, except for Tua, really, um, that are coming into freaking primo situations. It's not the, you know, Brady Quinn's walking into Cleveland and just hoping that they can get a, you know, a receiver to throw to. You've got some really, really nice spots there. So we'll go ahead and get into this next one that I'm super excited about. Um, the 17th pick in the draft, Jerry Jones just couldn't let CeeDee Lamb, uh, wide receiver, right, wide receiver out of Oklahoma pass him by. Um, I'll give you all my take first. I think that the six foot two, 198 pound CeeDee Lamb was the best prospect coming out of this draft. Um, and I still, I'm going to play him as my wide receiver one in dynasty right now. Um, I know that people think Amari Cooper, Gallup, Dak, you know, there's a lot of question marks there. I think CD is better than both of those guys. Um, you know, the Amari contract probably looks a little bit stupid right now. You know, a hundred million dollars for five years when you get a CD lamb at the, you know, 17th pick in the draft. Um, and you still have Dak that hasn't been paid. Um, but let's not fool ourselves. You know, CD lamb could be, um, a generational type talent, at least to me. I'm very, very high on CeeDee Lamb. And, you know, CeeDee Lamb might not have the production in 2020 that's going to propel you to a championship, but let's all be a little bit patient with him. I think I think you're going to have to have some have some time with CD. Yeah, man. He's a he's a baller. Everything I've watched of him, just just such a freak after the catch, too, you know. But he has he has everything. He it, it all uh he really stands out on tape. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, I'm not crazy about it as far as fancy, fancy goes, just because, I mean, there are so many other receivers there. And also I'm not, I don't trust Dak to be a, to be like a quarterback that gives one of his, his weapons like 
1500 yards and and 12 touchdowns. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that's that's going to be possible with with Dak as the quarterback just because I don't know, man. He he runs it a lot and uh he's not going to just I don't think he's going to target anybody that offense consistently. And Zeke. And Zeke and also, you know, we didn't mention Blake Jarwin, Tony Pollard. Mm-hmm. Uh I mean, they're loaded up with options there. Um Yeah. That's a that's a common theme I've I've noticed so far. We've we've noticed these teams are going out and stacking uh, their rosters and their depth charts and and man, there's some there's some sick units forming. Yeah, yeah, I think you could call that the Chiefs effect. Yeah, you know, once they, once they took McCole Hardman when they didn't need to, I think that opened the floodgates a little bit. But yeah. man, it does not get any more iconic than Jerry Jones, no scouts around him, <laughs> sitting in his yacht, picking the best player available, <laughs> skewing a need, and taking C.D. Lamb and bringing him into Dallas. It's such an on-brand move. I loved it. But you know, for fantasy, it, it is one of those things where you know the cream rises to the top. Uh, CD is so talented. It's really hard to imagine him not finding a way to carve out a role, whether it's, you know, Amari who gives up the most targets or Gallup who gives up the most targets, or if he takes some of the tight end share, he's going to find a way to produce. He's that type of player. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, I think CD could be real nice, but I agree with you too, Adam, and that Dak is probably a little bit of the problem there. And you've got a team that's a run first team. Um, and you maybe have one of the best backups uh, in the league uh, who might not get a ton of play this year, you know, in a Tony Pollard. So uh, Pollard is super interesting to me. Me, uh, me and, I wish they could incorporate him into the offense a little bit more. Me and Ben danced around a Tony, Tony Pollard deal for a little bit. Still, okay. still, still. Uh, I think there might be a little love triangle here with Tony uh, Pollard. <laughs> ooh, why have you been on that too? Ooh, oh. I'd ask about old TP. <laughs> TP. Old TP. The one who needs him in here. He's he's with his wife. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Making us look bad as husbands. <laughs> oh, man. Let's get to some of these interesting picks. Not that those weren't, but the 21st pick in the draft, um, one of the most uh, wide receiver needy teams in the draft, uh, Philadelphia takes Jalen Rager, wide receiver out of TCU. Um, so, Benny, uh, you know, one of the faster wide receivers in the draft. Did you like this pick? Yeah, I thought it was a pretty solid pick. Um, I can't say I would give it the A-plus because I really thought Justin Jefferson made a ton of sense there. Um, he's got a little bigger of a catch radius. I think he can do a little bit more of the high pointing that Alshon Jeffrey is – gonna not be asked to do as he gets older or leaves the Eagles soon enough and so um I'm surprised he didn't go Jefferson but I think Rieger is a great pick there um he's gonna stretch the field for Wentz like he no one he's had for a while other than Deshaun Jackson for his little brief stints when he was healthy but yeah I think it was an interesting pick for them um I definitely describe it as boom bust I don't think it's a guaranteed thing but I think if Rieger hits he could be one of one of the best wide receivers uh, from this draft. Yeah. I worry um, about how good Wentz is at uh, making him productive. You know, Wentz is really good at those, those intermediate throws and throwing like in the middle of the field. But I mean, he's never been someone that's had a great deep ball. It seems. Um, I mean, 
Jalen Hurts might be the guy now, too. That was a crazy pick. Right. How, how weird was that? That was uh, – man, some of these quarterback rooms are, got a little tense. Oh, yeah. The, the love pick is easily my biggest WTF pick of the night. I, I mean, not the, of yesterday, but I was like, man, Aaron Rodgers is probably sitting there like, oh, we're trading up. Who are we getting? Are we going after one of these RBs? Are we going to get me a big wide receiver? Oh, no. <laughs> we're taking my replacement. Boys, I just put this together. Love hurts. Love hurts. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one, man. That's something. The name of this that's something. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you put that on a (laughs) t-shirt. I agree, Raddy. I think Rager could be boom bust. Um, I've never been sold on Wentz. I think he's fine. He's a he's kind of the Andy Dalton. He's the prime meridian. He just kind of seems to hover around the fifteenth best quarterback you know, in the NFL. He doesn't really impress me. And he's not super healthy. But, yeah, Rager's talented. But, gosh, man, you talk about a freaking team that needs some wide receivers. Alshon, um, you know, uh, Deshaun was so unhealthy last year. They got to the point to where they're running out uh, uh, Chris Ward. Yeah, Greg Greg Ward, yeah. Greg Ward, that's right. Uh, uh, Aguilar's gone. I mean, they got Ortega. Ortega. Oh, true. JJ. <laughs> baby. Uh, uh, I think he was hurt, though, last year, in fairness. I, I do. That did come out, you know, no excuses, but uh, it wasn't a, wasn't a great look, obviously. But uh, year two, let's, we're still holding out hope for Ortega. Man, that I got an interesting little question. If you think about how this draft went, Ortega Whiteside was a fringe round one, round two. You think he's even a second rounder if he gets picked in the exact same spot to the same mm. landing spot in this year's draft? So it's going to be a crazy year. Yeah, man. Hell no. He's a fourth rounder. <laughs> yeah, probably, dude. <laughs> what about uh, Philly maybe runs out more like two tight end sets this year? Yeah, I mean, they, they, were, they were already doing that a lot. I mean, but, you know, how much of that was out of necessity just because all the wide receivers are so banged up? Um, but yeah, I think th- everything that we've heard from Philly is that they love Goddard and they want to keep him on the field as much as possible. I've even heard Ertz mentioned in like trade rumors and stuff. But uh, either way, I think you, I think those two are going to be on the field together, and I think you're going to see a lot of Rager, a lot of Ortega, um, and and maybe they add another piece at some point too. You know? Yeah. Yeah, there's still a lot of wide receivers that are that are free agents out there. Yeah. Miles Sanders is really good at catching the ball as well. He he's his value has certainly um, improved with with them not picking anyone. Yeah, I'm definitely a Sanders truther. Me too. So let's uh let's travel a little bit north and uh, with the 22nd pick, the Minnesota Vikings select Justin Jefferson, LSU wide receiver. Um, Adam, are you? Happy with this now that you see how the whole Stefan Diggs trade kind of transpired and what you all were able to get back out of that? Yeah, yeah. How can you not be, man? I mean, you got one of the best receivers in this class. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you you got rid of someone who wasn't happy, who was just kind of a headache to deal with. Um, although, I, you know, I'm going to miss him. I, I had to burn Silas's Diggs jersey. That was tough. <laughs> But um in front of Silas. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I made him light it. I made him light it. So yeah, he knows how to flick a lighter now. It's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Poor gasoline there. He did all of it, man. It was it was scary. He uh yeah. Is he at daycare? Or he at home. It was here at the house. So in front of his friends. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no block. But uh, yeah, um, but who are we talking about? <laughs> Justin Jefferson. <laughs> yeah. My only question with my only question with Jefferson is just he ran out of the slot a lot at LSU, and I know Thielen loves that slot. Uh, that's my only question mark there. Um, I think Cousins is fine. I think I think Jefferson's going to eat. I mean, I, I really like that landing spot for him. But as far as how that physically works for that team, um, it's going to be a little bit interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a fun offense, though, man. That's a lot of that's a lot yeah. of fun pieces together. Uh, I mean, I you know that I love Irv, uh, Dalvin Cook, obviously. But yeah, mm-hmm. Thielen, he'll have a. I think he'll have a much better year. Dude, even freaking Kyle Rudolph is a great football player. He's not great for fantasy, but as far as like an NFL team, he's a great tight end. Yep. Yep. So I was thrilled with that. I mean, you know, and also it's a salary difference of probably like six or seven million. Um, yeah. And he's under contract for, for five years. So, yeah. It's a big deal. Yep. Brady, you a believer in this pick? Yeah, I, um, I'm a pretty big fan. I had the same worry you did about the slot, um, but I honestly had that worry a lot more leading up to the combine. I kind of was worried Justin Jefferson might have to get pigeonholed as a slot guy, and then he came out and ran that 40 that kind of blew everyone away, and I thought, okay, I think this guy can play outside a little bit. Um, yeah. I think they were playing with uh, with Joe Brady, who was a master schemer. I think um, he really gets the best out of his players. And so I think it wasn't as much he couldn't do it as much he wasn't needed to do it and wasn't asked to do it. And so yeah. I think he'll be able to kind of diversify a little bit as a pro. And, and I love him as just a consistent target that Kirk Cousins can look to on third downs and when he needs yeah. to get some yards. Dude, something people need to think about too is uh... – uh, Joe Burrow and Kirk Cousins are very similar. They're both very accurate, um, good armed quarterbacks. So um, I think that Jefferson can see a lot of the same passes that uh, that he was seeing from Burrow. Um, I, I really like Jefferson. So let's talk about maybe one of the highest um, moving wide receivers. So at 25, San Francisco traded up here, right? I think – yeah, they traded up, and then they traded back from 13, but then they picked Kinlaw at 15, and then they traded up to get to... Dude, so how freaking brilliant is it that you ship off DeForest Buckner, and you sign Eric Armstead, then you grab maybe the best defensive tackle out of the draft in Kinlaw, and not only that, you're able to jump out and grab um, one of the... Um, one of the best like Swiss Army knife type wide receivers in this year's draft in Brandon Ayuk, uh, wide receiver out of uh, Arizona State. So, Raddy, I know you love these little shifty uh, slot, you know, I don't know what Ayuk ran, probably like a 4.5 or something, 40. I think he's in the 4.4s, I think 4.47. So what's your take on this one? I mean, putting him into that Shanahan offense, that's got to be pretty dirty. So I watched a lot of Ayuk because, firstly, when I was watching Harry's tape last year, but then also um, I have a lot of buddies who go to Arizona State right now, and so they they kind of give me the the loop. You know, when when Balaj was coming out, they said, "Yeah, don't draft this guy," <laughs> and I was kind of I was kind of hype on him because he had a lot of good measurables, and I said, "All right, guys." But so um, I think Ayuk uh, for me. He was probably one of the most uh, landing spot dependent wide receivers out there. He really needs to be schemed around, but 
I don't think he'll be their kick returner. They've got a lot of competition there. They they have so many good kick returners. Dante Pettis was amazing in college. Debo could do it. Now Ayuk, but he can do it if they need that. They can use him in the running game. It's going to be ridiculous. You know, some of the option plays they can run where, you know, you fake it to Debo and get it to Ayuk or you run Ayuk out of the backfield and then you do a fake jet sweep and pass it to Debo. It's He's the perfect Shanahan piece and, you know, I, I don't know who I like more out of him and Debo. I think they're really similar. I could see either one emerging as the 1A. Or it could be a 1A, 1B situation. But, like, yeah, I love him there. I think he's making a case to be in the top eight of rookie drafts, I'll say, without really doing a lot of research. Ben, you know who that, you know who that alpha is, Ben. You know who that alpha is. <laughs> it's Debo. It's Debo. You know that. <laughs> Yeah, man, I, 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 uh, it's a great move. I mean, I, I really like that move a lot. Um, but I, I don't, uh, I like it for Debo. I think, uh, I think we saw Debo play better when he had it. We when he had someone else opposite uh, of him that was competent. You know, mm-hmm. I obviously thought that it was going to be my pink haired baby, but uh, something's something's wrong between the ears with with that one. I'm afraid. Um, so, so yeah, I don't know if that's going to happen. And I think this is even more of a uh, confirmation that that's probably not going to happen, at least not there in San Francisco. Uh, Shanahan seems to hate Dante Pettis. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. My only problem with Ayuk is just probably, oh, me. Debo's good. You know, Debo's a and baller. That offense, it's kind of the same thing that's frustrating about owning Raheem Mostert or Tevin Coleman or Matt Breida or Jeff Wilson, you know, or freaking uh, uh, the re-signed Jarek McKinnon, you know, is like who who is Shanahan going to use from one week to the next? Yeah, it's a freaking it's a freakish like NFL roster to try to like play defense against, but um, I don't know, man. That's kind of Ayuk's kind of a crapshoot for me right now. I think he's going to be good, but I think you could some have up and. Have some up and down weeks with what do you think they would have been better off taking like a running back there like taking like you know ceh or deandre swift like would you have rather seen them take a running back and then just so we just get rid of this whatever this three four-headed monster is um what do y'all think i think you're probably right because you got to think too they've still got a Jalen Hurd. Yeah. You know, that was Hurd a bunch last year. Yeah. So people forget about him. Yeah. Um, I think that Shanahan wants that three-headed monster. Like, I don't think he wants that bell cow. Probably right. Yeah. It, and I, I think it could get muddier this year because they've kept everybody. I don't think Brita maybe will stay around. Um, but I think that McKinnon will probably take some shares this year. Yeah, I think you're yeah, right. I think Shanahan might be so good at scheming that he does not need a running back. I think, you know, every running back he's plugged in, Moster, Jeff Wilson, Tevin Coleman for weeks, um, Matt Breida. It seems like whoever he puts in there is going to be successful. He just needs to get the attributes he likes. So he finds, you know, speedier guys. You can find that in undrafted free agents. So I don't know if it makes a ton of sense for Shanahan to ever really draft the running back super high. I think if he was going to pivot the pick, I, I'm a homer because I go to see you, but I would have loved to see him go with LaVisca. I think LaVisca is, you know, at six foot, 228. He's like a running back pretty much. <laughs> yeah. And, he could he in my opinion is what Ayuk wants to be. <laughs> and him and Debo together, man, that would have been something, you know, seeing those two. Oh yeah, I know. 
And just the drip from those. Two, oh God! I mean, I know. Just get the buckets out. Yeah, that's that's what's also nice about this draft. A lot of influx of drip. Oh yeah. Yeah, oh, CD Lamb dripping out, grabbing his phone from his girlfriend. That was Steve's. that was nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Speaking of Steve's, let's get to uh, maybe what was the uh, one of the most controversial picks probably of the draft. Um, so the Green Bay Packers, who have not drafted a positional player in the last fifteen years in the first round, I think I saw. Yeah, skill position player, skill position player, uh, trade up. <laughs> To grab Jordan Love, quarterback out of Utah State. Um, I'll start. I'm a big Love guy. I really think that Jordan Love can translate to the NFL. Um, I don't think he is Patrick Mahomes, um, but I think he carries a lot of Mahomes' personalities. I don't think he is much as a, of a runner as Mahomes is, but you know the way he kind of moves around in the pocket. You know, you watch Mahomes a lot. And he's fading away when he's throwing the ball, or he's moving a lot when he's throwing. I think Love carries that same type of thing. I don't think Rodgers is the guy forever. Um, it does suck for Rodgers, though, not having anybody to throw to. Like it, I mean, for him, I do hate that. Um, but for Jordan Love, I mean, I, I think he's a nice stash in Dynasty right now. Yeah, so I'll, I'll start by saying I'm not a Jordan Love fan, and I honestly didn't think the pick made a lot of sense, but traditionally what I've found is when smart front offices like the Packers make a pick like that, that's kind of what the fuck. Oh, I'm sorry, Josh. Um, yeah, You know, I, I kind of take a second because a lot of the times – they work out, you know, you see these kind of weird plays that don't make a lot of sense. Like Mahomes was one of those where people are like, they traded up to take this guy out of Texas tech and then it ends up smashing. So I have enough faith in the green Bay Packers front office that I'm not going to completely write it off, but I got to say at first look, I don't, I don't understand the pick. Yeah. Um, Aaron Rodgers is, is going to be probably pretty unpleasant this year. He's going to be angry the entire year. So uh, I would probably suggest to maybe target Aaron Rodgers and redraft, but this is definitely not good for his dynasty value. And uh, could we potentially maybe see uh, a trade at some point? New England? New England? <laughs> Bill? Very sneaky. Very sneaky. I'm true. surprised they didn't leave the draft with Watson already. <laughs> Dude, I saw uh, there was an alert I got on my phone today that uh, it was like, uh, Houston Texans have be- have begun discussions with uh, and and I and I saw Deshaun Watson and I was like I'm mean, like oh god they're trading him, but then it was like <laughs> but then it was like no they've be- they've begun discussions to uh, to work on a deal an extension so that's apparently oh, wow. in the works. Sending sending Deshaun up north. Yeah yeah so let's get to. Uh... What ended the first round, but kind of started the juiciness of um, what could be a 101 possibly in a rookie draft when Andy Reid, the Hawaiian shirted uh, (laughs) Super Bowl winning coach, uh, drafted Clyde Edwards Hilaire, the running back out of the 2019 uh, NCAA uh, football champion LSU Tigers. So, not at all who I think we thought the Kansas City Chiefs were going to grab, um, but um, I like it. Ratty, uh, what's your take on this? 
The running back yeah. king over there himself. So it's really funny. Um, kind of the first round recency bias that happens in Dynasty every year. I remember last year, Nikhil Harry goes at the end of the first round of the Patriots and everyone starts screaming, 101, 101. And the same thing happened. As soon as Clyde went, I saw Twitter. Our league was like, 101, it's finished. And um, I think he's in the running for 101, but there were some other nice landing spots. I don't think it's a open shut case. But um, in terms of offenses and skill sets, he's a pass-catching back in an offense that is an all-time great passing offense. Uh, Andy Reid has proven time and time again he doesn't need a guy who has 4-4 speed at running back. He just needs a decisive runner who has good cuts, which, I mean, it doesn't get better than that with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in this draft. Um, so I think – Look and looking back in retrospect, it's not as surprising to me that he went first as it was in the moment. Um, you look at Josh Jacobs, not a super fast guy, but he just had really good tape, and no one has the tape Clyde Edwards Hilaire had last year leading his team to the national championship with Joe Burrow. Yeah, uh, Andy Reid found his Brian Westbrook, um, one of my favorite all time players. Um, I think he's gonna be awesome, um, in that offense. Uh, and yeah, Damian Williams. I noticed. I noticed Ben in one of our leagues. You put Damian Williams on the block today. Is that just a yeah. coincidence? <laughs> yeah, I love the Ceh take there. Um, I think you're right. I think that Andy Reid can make a lot of insignificant running backs look good. You know, you look at an undrafted free agent in uh, Damian Williams. You know, and had some had some decent you know, runs and stuff last year. But the biggest thing that these first round picks show me are that these were the team's like most glaring needs, you know, and Damian Williams was halfway benched last year for the chiefs. Um, So I think they saw that this was one of the biggest needs to not only become a better team, but just kind of, um, I mean, almost kind of build their dynasty. I mean, nope, nobody's going anywhere. You know, Sammy's staying around. They're still going to have me Cole, Still got Demarcus Robinson. They still got uh, Tyreek. You know, Mahomes is probably going to get paid like crazy here soon. So um, they need to bolster the defense a little bit. But yeah, that CEH take, um, going to be a lot of thinking going on in my house, boys. Yeah, one little like thing that not a lot of people are bringing up, and it's probably insignificant, is I thought it was a little interesting that they went with CEH with their history at running back and the, all the domestic violence and stuff because um, I'm not saying he's a domestic abuser or anything, but he did have this murder investigation as a freshman where um, basically him and his buddies got in a car and not all of them left the car. And so <laughs> I think it's a little bit of a gamble yeah. to take a guy that has some red flags when you're the Kansas City Chiefs, when you have DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor, you know, and Cam Akers still on the board to go mm. with the guy who has had some concerns was interesting to me. But maybe it shouldn't be at this point with Kansas City. No, I'm, I'm sure uh, Tyreek Hill will mentor him and take him under his wing and it'll be just <laughs> fine. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, let's jump into the second round now. Um, the uh, Cincinnati Bengals took T. Higgins, wide receiver out of Clemson. Wide receiver I had higher on my big board. Um, slips into the second round, 6'4", 216 out of Clemson. Um, really big guy. Um, I like this pick. Um, I think it made more sense for some teams in the first round, uh, like a Philadelphia, maybe even a Minnesota 
Um, some teams there, I think he probably fit a little bit better. But I think going and helping a Burrow, you know, you're going to have Burrow start week one, grabbing another 6'4", 216 wide receiver, good hands, uh, pretty good body control, big body target. Um, is going to help your rookie quarterback more than anything. Um, you know, rookie-wise, I don't really know where he fits in now. Probably a second-round pick. Um, but it definitely helps Burrow out for sure. Yeah, man. They got uh, they got a lot of talent there at wide receiver. I mean, the, you know, I was, I've was i always been a big Auden Tate fan. What is he now? Like wide receiver five, six? Like, good God. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean – uh, I like Higgins. I think it's smart. Uh, I think they're just planning for the future. You know, they're obviously assuming that AJ Green is going to leave next year, or maybe maybe he gets traded. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, I like to pick long term. I don't think uh, I would. I would actually maybe put out some offers for, to Tyler Boyd owners that may be a little scared too, because um, mm-hmm. I think he's still going to be fine. He's he'll he'll still operate out of the slot. Yeah. Yeah, dynasty-wise for me, it's a really interesting one because um, I like to pick for their offense a ton. I think getting Burrow as many weapons as possible, that's the ideal. But when I look at their offense, John Ross is going to be the the blow-the-top-off-speed guy. He's one of the best at that in the league, even though he drops everything. Yeah. And then you're going to have Boyd in the slot, you know, possession guy doing stuff over the middle for the most part. And then A.J. Green is kind of that, you know, high-pointing guy you can play on the outside as well. Um, And I kind of think where T. Higgins fits in all that is the A.J. Green role. And so it feels to me like – I'm not saying he's A.J. Green talent-wise. I don't think he scratches that level. But I think in terms of their plans – um, he makes a lot of sense for life after AJ Green. I'm not sure life with AJ Green is going to be great for T Higgins. Yeah, I agree, Benny. I don't think they're going to keep all those guys, and I do think that probably means maybe not right now, but they're definitely planning for life life after AJ. And uh, yeah, go ahead and do that now while you've got a young quarterback. Um, so with the second pick in the second draft, uh, second round, the Colts take Michael Pittman, uh, wide receiver out of uh, SoCal, USC. Um, so six four two twenty three. Um, not super super familiar with this guy. I mean, I watched him at the combine. You know, I've seen a little bit of his tape, but um, pre draft analysis. I think he's you know pretty good sized uh, guy and everything. I mean, I, he doesn't really he doesn't really do it for me. I guess here with this pick, I think there were probably some better options for me. But um, what y'all's take on him? I kind of think he um. He fits what they're trying to do there. Um, he's uh, what he really reminds me of is I don't think they succeeded with it because of injuries, but they brought in Devin Funches. They had Eric Ebron, so I think that is kind of the role that they're looking for. And so they they weren't looking for necessarily a guy's going to blow the top off. They have that in Paris Campbell already, and so he's going to be their red zone guy at least. And um, from what I've seen from him, I think he could be more, but I'll say safely he's going to be a good uh, red zone wide receiver for them, and I think that's why they brought him in. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's a that's a that's a fun offense, especially if Paris Campbell. You know, I think he he just had a rough rookie year, dealt with injuries. Um, obviously, it was a, it was a learning curve for him, but uh, I expect him to bounce back and be better. Um, 
I like Naheem Hines. We are going to talk on the running backs they drafted in a little bit. Um, but yeah, that offense, that offensive line is, is one of the best in the leagues. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's, that could be a dirty offense here in a few years. They're going to need to figure out quarterback, but yeah, but yeah, that's Colts fans should be excited. Josh should be excited. Yeah. Go buy Paris Campbell now. While people are still kind of down on him, and while Pittman was grabbed, go go get him. He's a nice little stash. He's very cheap too. I and this and those startups I've been doing, um, I got him like dumb late, like stupid thirty, late. yeah, thirtieth round at so, some some point after that. So let's get into um, maybe after Ceh. What was the craziest pick for me to begin this second round? So with the third pick, the Detroit Lions, who have Kerryon Johnson. Select the Andre Swift running back out of Georgia, who a lot of people in 2019 have as the pretty unwritten 101 out of rookie drafts. So now you put him with Matt Patricia um, up in Detroit. Um, is he going to share a room with Carry On? They're not quite sure. Um, but man, I can't quite mentally process whether I care for this or not. Yeah, I mean, I know as a carry-on owner, I'm I'm certainly not crazy about it. But, uh, I mean, I think if you're high on DeAndre Swift, you probably can't be too pumped about it either just because I think carry-on is good. I think they'll still give him touches. Uh, And Matt Patricia comes from the school of Belichick. Uh, He thinks he's a a mini Belichick, and he'll, he'll do the same dumb, you know, he'll try and do the same stuff and, and not favor running back and stuff. So, um, you know, I, I am kind of worried about DeAndre Swift immediately, but, uh, overall he's definitely the running back you want there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't think Adam will like hearing this because, uh, depth chart wise, I don't really think it's a huge deal. I think carry on's the backup. Um, but I agree. It's the coach for me. Um, even if he gets the workhorse role, which I think he should, I don't trust Matt Patricia at all to create any sort of competent offense. He hasn't shown it yet. Um, so, and even what he has shown has been an affinity for passing and creating some, you know, good passing looks for Galladay and Marvin Jones. Yeah. And so I'm not the biggest fan of it. Yeah. That team's got a lot of problems right now. Um, you know, Matt Stafford, what is he like right now? Can he stay healthy? Um, you know, Marvin Jones is getting a little bit older, isn't he? You know, he's probably yeah. 30. You know, Galladay's great. We're, we're all uh, big TJ Hawkinson believers. You know, we really think that he's going to have a good year this year. Hawk. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and obviously, you know, their defense is, is kind of questionable now. They got Okuda, which is nice when they've, you know, traded off Slay. My big Tavai guy, you know, I think uh, Trey Flowers and stuff has a better year. So, yeah, but I agree. The pairing with Patricia is is concerning there. So let's go ahead and just continue the chaos. And sorry, Josh, I'd probably just turn your turn your volume down a touch for the next five minutes or so because we're going to talk about the Colts' ninth pick in the second round. The running back out of Wisconsin, a lot of people's RB1 off their big board. Uh, Jonathan Taylor jumps into a running back room full of Marlon Mack and Naheem Hines. So, wow. Yeah. What do you guys think? Jeez. I did not expect that one. No. Um, Is this a situation of 
Jonathan Taylor was the best player available and they didn't want to let him pass. Well, they didn't they trade up or am I? There is a trade there. They might have traded up some. Because they, they picked Pittman and then I think they traded up. From Cleveland, but it doesn't really show me if it was up or down. Yeah, but um, for me, it's really interesting because as a rusher, Jonathan Taylor might lead the league in ru- and lead the league in rushing as a rookie. I really think that that line he's getting into, amazing. But Naheem Hines is such a good receiving back that I really could not see any reason to keep Jonathan Taylor on the field on third down on passing situations, and so. I think he might end up, even though he's not the same size, not the same type of runner, he might end up the next Derrick Henry, a guy who's doing a ton of damage rushing but is just never going to be a huge receiver for us, which it was disappointing because I thought someone might give him the Fournette treatment and give him 100 targets even though he's so-so. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. You never know. You never know how it's going to go. He may just... He may just be so good, though, that uh, it doesn't even matter that he's not used on third down. He just he cribbed so many touches. Like it, it's like uh, I don't know. He, he just he was so impressive. Like in 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 what I've seen of him, um, yeah. Uh, it might be one of those situations where it's just best player available, Bobby. I, I think you're right. Um, but yeah, I think they're just building for the future. I, I you know I don't think Marlon Mack is gonna be. Uh, in that equation, um, yeah. and clearly they're not going to pay him now. I mean, he's he's gone. Yeah. Um. So yeah, you're probably right. It'll be it'll be uh, Taylor and Hines. That'll be the that'll be the future there. And and we'll see we'll see what he looks like as a receiver. They could maybe, uh, if he if he's adequate at it, you know, maybe give him the the whole backfield. Adam, I think uh, I don't know if you remember this or not, but late last year, I think before the season started, um. Joshy boy in XFFL was kind of floating out Marlon's uh, Marlon Mack's name a little bit. And you even said, um, I think Mack is a good sell right now, just because um, you felt like he only probably had a two to three year stint probably in the league. Yeah. 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 Mack should have been a sell. I mean, because he was worth a lot, you know? Yeah. You could have gotten at least a first out of him probably at at a certain point last year, I would think. Um, but yeah, I just just saw that coming, man. You know, that's uh, well, and and was I don't believe Mac was was brought in by Ballard, right? I don't think Ballard was there whenever. No. So you know, Ballard's gonna want to go get his own guys, and he he did that with Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, but go by Naheem Hines. Look at Austin Eckler's numbers last year with Philip Rivers. It's the check down king. Yeah. And also, if you're in return yard uh, leagues, Naheem, Naheem Hines is a baller, man. Yeah. I, I think Eckler and Gordon would probably be the the best upside uh, for Jonathan Taylor because Melvin Gordon wasn't, you know, he was actually a really good pass catcher, and he wasn't schemed out as a pass catcher. They just really schemed Austin Eckler in. And so I think um, the hope would maybe be Jonathan Taylor gets good enough or is good enough at pass catching that they can put Neemines in the slot a little bit or do some more creative stuff and involve them both. Yeah. Dirty offense, though. I mean, that's crazy now. You add Pittman, Andy, you add Jonathan Taylor. You still got T.Y., Paris Campbell. Uh, Jack Doyle, Mo Alley Cox, yeah, uh, Trey Burton. 
Yeah, that's right. Did they bring in Trey Burton? Yeah, they did. Yeah. Yeah. Part of me wonders how much influence Rivers had on them bringing in Taylor because they didn't necessarily need a running back. But Philip Rivers says, I just signed a nice contract (laughs) to come to you boys. You know, let's get me a wide receiver in Pittman and then let's come back and let's get me Jonathan Taylor and let's go to work. He's like, I need as many small guys around like a five to ten yard radius around me <laughs> that I can throw to as possible. So let's get to what might be one of Ben's most uh, favorite picks in the draft. The tenth oh, pick in the man. second round, Colorado wide receiver LaVisca Chenault goes to Duval in Jacksonville. So, Benny Boy, you uh, do you like this pick for your boy Visca? So it's really funny. I'm not a Jacksonville fan in any way, but every year I found myself watching so much Jacksonville and then I sell Fournette and now I got DJ Chark and my, my boy LaVisca from CU is going there. So I'm going to watch a lot of Jags again, but no, I, as a Chark owner, I really like it because I think Chark can keep that outside dominant role. And then LaVisca Chenault is going to eat in the slot and on gadget plays. And you can get so creative. And with those two athletes running around and Gardner Minshew, <clears throat> man, if they can just get things right with Fournette for one more year, they could actually have a pretty solid offense going there. Yeah, but even if not, if if they do end up trading Fournette, oh my God, like they'll, they'll use LaVisca, you know, like Debo, but probably even mm-hmm. more so. Um, yeah, you know, look, D- Debo like low key got like 200 rushing yards and like four touchdowns or something, right? Um, yeah, but yeah, that's uh, I like that. I like that there. Uh, I like what Jacksonville's doing. Yeah, Jacksonville's a fun team, and and you know, Josh and then we'll talk about it in the IDP section, but they have one of my favorite IDP grabs in the Chase on. I think that's a great grab for them there on the edge and a need. We'll see if they can keep Yannick or not, but they still got Josh Allen. I think they need to grab a figure out another linebacker spot at some point. Um, but anyways, we won't well, talk too much defense. Uh, here, one so. other thing, though, I think it's also important to uh, to keep in mind that Minshew probably isn't the the long term answer there. So there's a chance that they could have. I'm in the minority. Well, maybe. I, I, but from what I saw as a rookie, I I think he's gonna make it. He, he had too many fumbles. He was a little little shaky with the ball at times, but he showed a lot of flashes that I don't see out of some guys who get three or four years to try their stuff. Yeah, I, I agree. He definitely was impressive. But what if they start out slow? Then they're going to have every incentive to tank. And, you know, we know all about these quarterbacks in next year's class. It, it would it would yeah. be a good, uh, good class to tank for, for sure. Yeah, so I, I think Trevor. it's... It's kind of a win-win, you know. If Gardner Minshew is the guy, then he's going to go out and he's going to win some games for them, and I think they're going to be happy. And if, if Gardner Minshew's not the guy, I think they're going to lose a lot of games and end up with a pretty good quarterback. So not a, not a bad experiment to run. It's a win-win. We won't talk about this next tight end too much, uh, just because it's a tight end. It's kind of like cornerbacks. But Cole Komet there uh, for <laughs> – Notre Dame uh, got drafted to the Chicago Bears, 11th pick in the second round. Pretty high for a tight end there. Uh, Comet out of Notre Dame, pretty good hands. Uh, but it doesn't matter when Trubisky overthrows you by 10 <laughs> yards. So there's that problem as well. But let's get into some of these spicier picks. So um, this was the second wide receiver that Denver actually took, the 14th pick in the second round. They take K.J. Hamler, wide receiver out of Penn State. Um, somebody that I'm pretty high on. I've, I was a big Hamler guy 
Um, watching him in the combine, I was very impressed with him. 5'9", 176. Um, he's a slot receiver. Um, just another weapon to put there for Drew Locke. Um, gosh dang it, Drew Locke has got all the talent in the world. I mean, uh, you could almost argue, gosh, does he have, I mean, he's got at least in the top five teams of like the two best receivers in the NFL right now and Jerry Judy and freaking Cortland Sutton. Yeah. You know, RIP Deshaun Hamilton. Like he's not, he's not making it out of this. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, for sure, man. They have they have some of the best weapons around him in the league. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, I love it. Yeah, Hamler, for me, I think it's a really great pick because the rumor a lot going up into the draft was that they were enamored with rugs. And so, basically, you get Jerry Judy, and then you get 80% of rugs, 90% of rugs. Hamler is really yeah. fast. And when I'm talking about that Tyreek Hill twitchiness, I see that on tape with rugs. Rugs does some things that are insane, you know, Madden type jukes that I didn't really see with rugs. And so I'm not even sure they got the worst speed wide receiver. And then they got probably, well, arguably, the best wide receiver in the draft. So I love those two picks. Freaking brilliant insight there, Raddy. That's a uh, that's great. You're getting two guys for the price of one. Uh, I love that take there. Uh, so yeah, let's get into uh, let's get into Chase Claypool, uh, Notre Dame wide receiver. There got drafted by Pittsburgh, 17th pick in the second round. Um, are we so convinced that Chase Claypool is going to actually play a wide receiver role there? Do we think he's going to get switched to a tight end? Where was the landing spot again? Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um yeah, that Claypool that seems like tied in, right? I mean Yeah, six four, two thirty eight. Yeah. Um yeah, I could see I mean tight ends, you know, they brought in Ebron. But uh Yeah. Yeah, I mean he's he seems to be fit the tight end mold better. And I don't And I mean Go ahead. When you look at the Steelers, um Look at their wide receiver prototype, Antonio Brown, Mike Wallace, Deontay Johnson, Emmanuel Sanders. He does not fit at all what they've traditionally done, which would lead me to believe maybe they see him as a tight end because if they see Claypool as a wide receiver taking a slower, bigger guy, that totally bucks the trends of what the Steelers love to do at that position. Exactly. Exactly, Raddy. Um, yeah. I don't know. That's interesting. I Hurt your Ebron shares probably a little bit, but I, I like Claypool. He ran like a what is what was his forty time like a four five or something? Yeah. Uh, yeah. no sub four four five in the forty, um, which is stupid for six four two thirty eight. So the dude can move. And even if he doesn't move um, to tight but, end, yeah, it's even if he doesn't move to tight end. I mean, with all the weapons around him, I mean, he could still be really productive and fun in that offense. Yeah, and. I guess my hope is not only because I purchased him, but I just hope that Ben can have another year because they've really surrounded Ben with some nice pieces right now. We all probably thought they were going to reach and grab for uh, Jonathan Taylor or some wide receiver in the second – wide receiver, running back in the second round. Uh, But anyways, he's got some people to throw to. All right, Raddy. Might want to cut out for a minute for this next one. Oh, man. I'll I'll take my legs on this one. (laughs) Let's get to the hype for me in the draft. Um, Low-key, what was maybe my RB1 on my big board? I know y'all probably think that's insane, but um, 
with the 20th pick in the second round, um, the Los Angeles Rams select Cam Akers running back out of Florida State University. Uh, I don't think it's probably a move that a good organization makes. Um, we've just seen what uh, shrapnel uh, has hit in the aftermath of Todd Gurley, Brandon Cooks, Corey Littleton, uh, just all kinds of mess that they've gotten themselves into. But um, from a talent perspective, Cam Akers is full of it. Yeah, Daddy, I mean, you don't have to talk. I won't make you talk, man. It's all right. <laughs> For the people that don't know, Mr. Ben Ratty is a large Daryl Henderson uh, truther, which I am as well. I, I, you know, up until this year and up until this happened, and and even maybe still now, um, Hendo's got tons of burst. You know, they trade they traded in 2019 and moved up into the third round to take um, that running back there out of Memphis and Daryl Henderson. Uh, Hendo saw the field, I think, like 8% of the time last year behind Malcolm Brown and Todd Gurley. So, you know, what do we think for Cam Akers? My biggest thing with Cam Akers, and I don't know if I put this in the slack or not, but of the yards per carry that he averaged last year, which was like 4.9 or something like that, 3.9 of those came after contact. The dude ran behind one of the worst offensive lines in like college football history, which is perfect when you're going to a team that hasn't drafted any offensive linemen <laughs> and had a ton of trouble last year. So they're just prepping him for what his life is about to look like for the next year or two. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry, Ben. I know that's, that's tough. And it's uh, really tough for you, but I think acres is yeah. going to do great there. I mean, uh, but but you're right, Bobby. It, it's there's so many other needs. It was uh, I don't know that it was the best football move, but I guess you know, I guess at this point, uh, why not? He did seem like it did seem like maybe he was the last of that elite tier of running back, right? So um, maybe that's why you pull the trigger there. Yeah, this is what I'll say. Um, this is totally probably my bias coming out, but the only way that pick makes sense for me is if McVay, being the smart offensive mind he is, looked at his division rival and said, look at what Shanahan is doing with these running backs. I need to build a stable of guys who I trust and who I think are all dynamic. And so that is my biggest hope as Anderson owner. And I don't think it's too outlandish to think McVay might be trying to build some sort of three-headed monster there. But talent-wise, I just think Cam Akers is the type of guy who should demand an entire backfield. But... I'm hopeful that maybe McVay still has some love for Henderson and is going to mix him in and try to copy what, what uh, Shanahan's doing there. I think that's a great take, Ben. You know, this last year showed us that not everybody's looking at Sean McVay anymore. McVay's finally to the point to where he's like, crap, I should probably pay attention to what Cliff Kingsbury and freaking, uh, you know, Shanahan are doing. McVay is not the offense to, you know, kind of run now. So. I hope Cam Akers is the guy just as a Rams fan. That division is stupid now. I don't really look forward to playing Arizona or San Fran two times a year, but, you know, here we are. McVay's a poser. Uh, Shanahan's doing it with all undrafted guys. So, (laughs) McVay's a poser. What about, um, yeah, I just lost that one. (laughs) In one ear, not the other. 
Uh, so anyways, yeah, that that's going to be a, it's going to be a wild ride. Uh, so is yeah. he going to be your one-on-one Bobby? Let's uh, you want to tell us right now, you're going to break it on the podcast. So let's go ahead and talk about <laughs> another guy who could possibly be the one-on-one. I'm going to skip this next one and we'll come back to this one. Um, but the 23rd pick in the, um, second round, JK Dobbins, Ohio State running back, who I know was the RB1 on a lot of people's big boards, goes to the Baltimore Ravens, a pretty uh, run-heavy offense. You know, and we'll talk about this here at the end, but, you know, through all of these picks, RIP the likes of Marlon Mack, Daryl Henderson, Damian Williams, uh, maybe Naheem Hines, uh, Mark Ingram. Justice Hill. Uh, Later we'll talk about Aaron Jones. Later, we'll talk about Ronald Jones. Darius Guy's got a name in his room, but it's a little bit of a fringe one. But not yeah. happy as a guy's owner. Maybe Bryce Love. Yeah. Yeah. Bye. I mean, we definitely saw a lot of people not necessarily lose their jobs tonight, but definitely think like, crap. Like, I'm not sitting as easy as I once was. Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> no kidding. Seriously. Yep. So let's talk Carson about Wines. Hey, so I'll hurts, he give you this, and I don't, I don't mind, and he'll probably be a little pissed off. But you know, it's twelve o'clock on a Saturday night, and uh, as soon as this pick happened, I had a few, uh, some flurries of trades uh, filling in my inbox by an Ohio State University fan, mm. and they were a bunch of, they were a bunch of crap. I won't tell you what they are. A bunch of, bunch of crap, but. Um, I mean, do we really like Dobbins enough maybe to take him as the 101 there? No. I don't like him enough to take him 101. Um, it is really interesting. They have a crowded room, but they also are going to pound the ball more than any other team. They, they're a total unicorn of an offense where they could have three talented running backs, and I would say I wouldn't put it past all of them to end up as, you know, top RB2s. And so I think Dobbins landed in a pretty nice spot for him. Um, not enough for me to push him up to 101, and I don't think it's enough for me to even take him over some of these top wide receivers. I, I don't love it that much for him, but I think it'll get better as time goes on and some of these other People start to fade out, and for this year, I think it's a nice spot. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, you got to remember that Mark Ingram's already over thirty, um, so you know it may not be it may not be crazy in twenty twenty, but twenty twenty one, there's a good chance that it's probably going to be all his. Um, but yeah, it probably zaps the value of Justice Hill and Gus Edwards. Justice Hill's too similar to him. Gus Edwards mm-hmm. could carve out a role, but Justice Hill is just. Not as good J.K. Dobbin. How late was Justice Hill taken, Ben, last year? I, I think he was a third. He might have been a fourth rounder, but I think he was a third rounder just in a crowded room. But but he, even late last year, they were running Justice Hill a lot on the special teams. Um, so, yeah, I think that was a need for them. I, I agree, Adam. Mark Ingram is not super young. And I think that you're probably right. Early on in the season, you're going to get, still get a lot of Ingram. But I think as the season goes on, I think J.K. is going to wear into that some. But even still, you know, that's a that's a run-first offense. But you've got a really good pass-catching running back. You know, so, um, ah, man, that's, that's hard. That's really hard. I, I really saw a wide receiver need more for them maybe than a running back need right there. Um, but man, you talk about some muddy water with some running backs. That's some uh, that's some crap. 
This is, I thought that they might hold off and be the team that takes Antonio Gibson and then just let him get five carries a game, play the slot. And, you know, I think a versatile weapon like that would make more sense than necessarily getting a workhorse back like Dobbins. But, yeah. you know, he fell farther than I thought he was, so I can't hate him for best player available. Yeah, because a lot last year they actually ran out Hayden Hurst and Mark Andrews a lot together, you know, and I don't think Willie Sneed is the guy to run opposite Hollywood. Um, but they drafted a guy here in a little bit that we'll talk about. So the JK the JK selection there is fine. Um, shout out to the Rams, you know, Twitter PR team for just trying to throw everybody off with these Josh Reynolds and Daryl Henderson tweets <laughs> I know. like the week of the draft. Oh, trust when me, I've been fr- eating them up. <laughs> when they freaking t- they take Van Jefferson with the 25th pick in the second round. Um, as a Rams fan, I didn't love this pick. I'm not a huge Van Jefferson um, believer. I think there were better um, people out there. I would have taken Mims um, before him especially. Um, but I don't know. It's not somebody that I'm really looking to reach at in a rookie draft, to be honest with you, because you've still got – uh, the wide receiver one in Cooper Cup, not the, but a wide receiver one in Cooper Cup, and really even maybe a wide receiver one in Robert Woods as well. You know, Goff throws the ball a bunch. PPR-wise, those are two people that just eat. So not sure that Van Jefferson really holds a lot of value 2020. Wasn't, and isn't he banged up right now? Isn't he hurt? I'm not sure of that. I thought he had a pretty major injury, like a Liz Frank-type deal. Maybe that's wrong, but. Um, I'm pretty sure that's why I didn't participate in the combine and stuff. Uh, we'll have to look into that. I'm not 100% sure, but you could be right. He's uh, Benny, do you have any take on Van? I, I don't mind the pick for them as in terms of player fitting need. I think if they came away from this draft with Van Jefferson, I wouldn't hate it. I hate Van Jefferson as a second-round pick. Uh, when I was doing my draft grades, I never – Honestly, even considered Van Jefferson going in the second round. And so there was a lot of guys I had ranked higher than him who went. And even guys I thought fit the role better. I thought, you know, maybe with Brandon Cooks gone, you look to bring in a speed guy. If they were going to reach, I wouldn't have been surprised to see him take Devin DuVernay, who that would have been probably a surprise pick, but at least it's a surprise pick that fills a mold instead of a surprise pick that's kind of stands out like a sore thumb. Yeah, for sure. And you're right, Adam. Um, some type of fracture in his right foot didn't run during the combine. So said he was sidelined six to eight weeks, but fracture in a foot Jones fra- always seems to kind yeah, of Yeah, Jones fracture. Those aren't those yeah, aren't, so uh, that's kind of those aren't ideal. So um, let's finish up this second round. I think we have two more offensive pieces. Uh, Denzel Mims, wide receiver out of Baylor, who I love. I'm a big Denzel Mims fan. Um I know a lot of the analysts when I was watching the draft thinks that he has a lot of um, polishing that he needs to work on. They don't think he's really um, ready to jump into an NFL offense right now. And welcome to the New York Jets. So I don't know that that was maybe the best fit for him, but I really like Mims as a player. And somebody's got to catch the ball in New York, especially with Robbie Anderson uh, leaving town. Yeah, I mean, it was basically the the year from hell last year for for the Jets. So you you figure that surely to God it it improves from that. Um, but yeah, I, I was a big fan of Mims. Uh, I thought he was going to go way earlier than he did. But uh, I don't know. Keep in mind, you know, a lot of these a lot of these teams um, when it comes to these big body guys, I don't think they evaluate them uh, as well anymore. Think about last year, DK Metcalf. Um, 
AJ Brown, all those guys slipped late, and they're all kind of bigger body types, you know. But uh, mm-hmm. but Mims is he super impressive, uh, in, in what mm-hmm. I've watched of him. Yeah, yeah. For me, I've got a pretty interesting comp for Mims. I I'd comp him to DJ Chark. Um, Chark is really tall, really fast, and he was a second round pick who went to an offense that's pretty much devoid of other wide receivers. So I I could see him. And I don't think he's gonna. I don't. I think he could do it without taking the year that DJ Chark took. I think he's the type of talent. He might need some polishing, like DJ Chark needed a lot, a lot of polishing. But I think he's gonna come out of it their wide receiver one. And mm-hmm. so, in terms of the second round wide receivers, I think I'm most interested in him, even though he went in the later part of the round, just because out of all those guys, who else can you say they're the wide receiver one on that depth chart right now where they landed? Agreed. That's a good. That's take. true. So. Speaking of muddy water, let's get to the last uh, running back taken in the second round, the 30th pick the Green Bay Packers select A.J. Dillon, running back out of Boston College, uh, to join the likes of Aaron Jones there in Green Bay. So, Benny, as the ex-Aaron Jones owner, if you were to have still owned Aaron Jones, how are you feeling tonight? So, I'm... I'm not feeling great, but I'm not feeling terrible. When I look at it, he's kind of a souped-up Jamal Williams. That's what I've been saying. He He's a big bruising back like Williams is, but I think he's a better version. Um, so as an Aaron Jones owner, I'm not super worried. But if I was an A.J. Dillon fan, I'm actually really excited about the spot, even though he's kind of blocked right now because – I think he probably will be the number two, and he's going to take a lot of red zone carries because he's he's built for that. But Aaron Jones, being the ex Aaron Jones owner and watching him for years, he really does struggle with injuries. He he leaves a lot of games for halves and comes back. You know, last year was his most successful year. He didn't have a ton of injury problems. There was tons of games where he'd take a huge hit in the first, be a non factor until the third, or he'd play a great half and then he wouldn't technically end up on the injury report, but he wouldn't finish out the game. And so AJ Dillon. Is probably a guy who I think might go near the like bottom half of the second round in rookie drafts just because he's blocked. But man, if Aaron Jones gets hurt, AJ Dillon is maybe a league winner. Yeah, Dill- Dillon is like the ultimate like uh, game tape versus metrics because he blew away the combine. Man, he had great numbers for his size. Um, but if you look at his tape, a lot of people don't like his tape. Um, so yeah, I mean. But I, I think it's a I think it's a pretty solid landing spot, and I think that uh, yeah, all the starters in Green Bay uh, from last year they're all going to be upset. So yeah, <laughs> I would I'd liken it a little bit to my Daryl Henderson pick last year. Um, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are both on the last year of their deals. You probably are looking at a guy who might not even see eighty touches, seventy touches this year. And then come next year, he might be a draft darling. And then I'll have him and the Green Bay Packers will draft a running back in the second round. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's not true, yeah. Benny. That's not true. We all know it's not going to happen. Etienne next year. That's who they're drafting. Yeah, that's it. So let's run through, and I won't do all these player by player just in the third round, but let's run through and we'll talk about some of these landing spots and we'll talk about some of these guys before we wrap up the offensive side. So – Antonio Gibson um, in the third round with his second pick goes to the Washington Redskins. He's a wide receiver out of Memphis. Um, The next player, Keyshawn Vaughn, uh, running back out of Vanderbilt, 
joins Tom Brady there in Tampa Bay. So I'm sure we're going to talk about that for a minute. Back-to-back picks here for the Las Vegas Raiders. They go Lynn Bowden Jr., uh, wide receiver out of the University of Kentucky. And then they go Brian Edwards, the wide receiver out of South Carolina. So with the first three picks, uh, with their first three picks in the 2020 draft, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders go wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver. So that is very interesting. Um, with the 22nd pick in the third round, the Bills muddy their running back waters and select Zach Moss, the running back out of Utah, to join Devin Singletary. Um, let's see if that's it. Devin Asai Asai, uh, the tight end from UCLA, uh, was drafted by the Patriots. We won't get into that because I'm not sure if we know too much about Mr. Asai. Asai. I didn't know anything about the third-round tight ends. This mm. pick right here made John Harbaugh uh, jump out of his chair or holler or do something on Twitter. I oh, saw he was going a quick crazy. snip from him. Uh, Devin Duvernay, wide receiver out of Texas there, selected to play for him in Baltimore. Um, another tight end there in Josiah Dugaria. Yeah. Something no, like I got no help. <laughs> tight end out of Cincy um, to join Green Bay uh, with Jimmy Graham leaving town there. And then let's see if there are any other ones. Uh, the Pats also grab another tight end in Dalton Keene, uh, Virginia Tech tight end to go to the Patriots, which is interesting. Um, and then another tight end there in Adam Troutman. Uh, Troutman. Out of Dayton. Uh, to go to the Saints there with uh, with Jared Cook. So nice pick. the big ones here, I guess, that we can touch on, Devin DuVernay to Baltimore, uh, Zach Moss to Buffalo. Uh, the bigger ones being Lynn Bowden, Brian Edwards to Las Vegas, and then the two big babies being Keyshawn Vaughn to Tampa Bay. And I guess that's it. I thought Gibson was decent too. Oh, yeah, Gibson. That's right. Yeah, the uh, so, big winner here is Keyshawn Vaughn. Um, yeah. So, I mean, where where do you guys where are you guys thinking about targeting him, targeting him in drafts now? I think he's a first round he's a first round pick now. I it's really crazy for me to say because he wasn't really on my radar like that. But man, the starting running back for Tom Brady. It's really hard to say he's not even a top ten guy. Yeah, I agree, yeah. man. And, and they've also uh, added to that offensive line. You know, they they mm-hmm. had I thought they got a steal at what thirteen uh, with that. It, it, it's just such a hard year because like most years I'm all over the running backs, but it's so hard for me to say yeah, take a third round running back over a first round wide receiver who got that draft capital and commitment because there is a chance that they split carries between Ronald Jones and Keyshawn Vaughn, or there's a chance that they bring someone in in free agency next year. Cause Tom Brady doesn't like Vaughn enough. You know, there's, there's a lot of moving parts there that you don't have with the safety of getting a first round wide receiver, but He's not leaving the first round. I can't imagine it. And we know we know about Arians how easy it is to get in his doghouse. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you gotta you gotta take that into consideration when you're drafting this guy. It could be it it may be a year before you know Arians even lets him plays. He uh, you know he he always goes out of his way to dog the rookies whenever he gets a chance. So, yeah. And let's uh let's have a moment of silence for. Hunter Renfro, 
uh, Zay Jones, Nelson Aguilar, Tyrell Williams, Tyrell Williams. Tyrell. Oh my goodness! So let's just you know, let's just get rid of all the wide receivers <laughs> that are on our team, and let's just draft all new ones. You know, <laughs> I really like the Lynn Bowden pick. I was interested to see where he went. You know, you talk about somebody that you can like freaking use in the pistol. You know, you can put him in the slot. I mean, you can play him as a running back. I mean, the dude is very multifaceted. Um, I don't know how he'll translate to fantasy. I don't know if Gruden is that mind to make him fantasy relevant. Um, He might actually be pretty irrelevant out there in Las Vegas, the more I think about it. But um, he was really fun to watch in college. Yeah. I mean, you know, they're putting a lot of – electric guys uh there in las vegas i mean it's i don't i don't hate what they're building um but you know quarterback is the issue (laughs) we got we got to figure that out first and uh car and mariota that doesn't uh that doesn't leave you feeling too great yeah and darren waller darren waller yeah true yeah they have nice options and josh jacobs too yeah um, y'all want to touch on Zach Moss at all? That's a bizarre pick. Yeah, I I really don't know what to make of it. It sucks for Singletary owners and it sucks for the prospective Moss owners. I I kind of thought they both could be independent assets. Um, I, I thought Zach Moss might get stuck in a timeshare. I was hoping it wouldn't be with a back like Singletary. I was hoping he might end up on like the Chargers or on some team where he could be the power back. Um, I don't. It, it seems kind of redundant having Singletary and Moss, but that's. I guess we'll see. They're both slow, elusive guys. <laughs> yeah, I think that's just the new reality. That just running back by committees. I mean, there's just so many talented backs, and you know, in today's NFL old for a running back is like once they start hitting 26 and 27, not when they start hitting like 30, 31 anymore. It's like, you know, yeah. cause there's just so many good guys coming in each year. Um, and I think, yeah, that's what we're seeing right now. It's just, there's going to be some crowded backfield just because there's so many good running backs right now. And even now I think we're seeing, starting to see the shift too, to where these extensions for these running backs are just looking terrible. You know, you're getting these teams that don't want to pay these running backs. You know, you look at Le'Veon Bell getting the franchise tag. You look at Melvin Gordon. You look at Todd Gurley. You look at, you know, David Johnson. In in a couple years after those extensions, they just look like horrible, horrible contracts to have. Um, So, anyways, yeah, that's kind of, uh, yeah, that's going to be hard. It's going to be hard for Singletary owners. Yeah. So let's wrap this up and, uh, you know, kind of talk about real quick. Um, anybody else that you want to touch on? Any people that you really think are big um, draft winners or draft losers after tonight? I mean, I think there's a ton of draft losers, um, which is probably enough to fill a whole nother sode. But uh, anything to touch on before we wrap it up? Yeah, so I think a big draft winner and probably the consolation for my night was James Conner slash Benny Snell, but I'm, I think James Conner's the guy there surviving the night without even a Zach Moss type running back going there. I think that was a big win. And then in terms of guys we didn't touch on, um, Darrington Evans out of Appalachian State was actually a really, really nice pick for me. Um, 
he is another Henderson type of pick where he's not going to be great this year. He might be Deion Lewis this year, but if Henry leaves and he shows something this year and the work they give him, he might be a guy who's in line to actually take over a backfield in a year. And so those are guys I love to just target with a little late, especially in this year's draft. You might be getting those guys in the third or fourth round yep. and getting some real nice handcuffs who could hit in a couple of years. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah I like that guy. Um, yep. Yeah, you know, big draft winners uh, for me personally, it was Minnesota. I just thought that they addressed all the needs that they had, uh, did a mm-hmm. great job with the uh, compensation they got from the digs trade. Um, but you know, for real, addressed all the weaknesses of the team um, with wide receiver, getting offensive lineman, got two corners. Um, so yeah, thrilled with their draft so far. Yeah, I think that you know a lot too that needs to be played into this is how far back the IDPs probably moved in this year's rookie draft. Yeah, that is a good little conversation. Yeah, you know, none of them had. We all knew where Chase Young was going to go. And even where he goes, or even, you know, you think about a one QB league like a Burrow guy, you know, where, where now does he get pushed to? But especially the likes of Isaiah Simmons, Kenneth Murray, uh, Patrick Queen, mm-hmm. Zach Bond, um, uh, Chase on, um, Epinesa and Gross Matos ended up going a little bit later. Kinlaw, Derek Brown. I mean, are you looking at, I mean, you're probably looking at some, Gosh, some fourth and fifth round, like, IDP, you know, relevant dudes. You're not looking at, you know, dart throws. You're looking at legit, like, starters probably. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's weird how um, everything shifted. I think we we probably all thought that we, we had, you know, Chase Young and Simmons were going to be first-round picks. But I don't think Simmons is anymore. Uh, maybe you can convince yourself that Queen is. I still don't think people are going to take him in the first. Mm-hmm. I think he'll be like an early second. Uh, and I think he should be the first linebacker off the board. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, Kenneth Murray probably becomes like a third-round pick. Um, yeah. Same thing with like Xavier McKinney. I don't think – I think you can probably get him now like third, early fourth. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for maybe- me – the, the entire draft uh, process, I've been thinking Chase Young was a lock to go in the first round and probably to go early on. When I'm doing my prospect mapping right now, I really see a lot of realistic scenarios where Chase Young's available in the second. And I think if it was me personally, um, I'm not taking Chase Young over these first round wide receivers or some of these running backs. And so I'd have a hard time picking him in the first. Um, I don't know if consensus has changed so much that that'll – be what's going on on average but yeah he's a tough first rounder for me right now you think we boys uh could do a, like a, a quick like uh top 24 let's get let's it. Do it i'm down let's i got do nothing it. but time let's do, it. let's do it let's um let's go let's go adam then i'll go and then we'll go ben and we'll just kind of cycle through and go from there all right so i'm gonna have the uh the 101 yeah Oh man, this is tough. Um, let's go. Uh, let's go. Ceh. All right, Ceh goes one, two. I will go. Man, let's go Dobbins. Let's go oh. Jk. All right, uh, one hundred three. I'm gonna go Jonathan Taylor there. Okay. 
Um, Bobby, I'm sorry. I'm going to go uh, Acres. I'm all right with that. Okay, Acres. You know, we haven't picked DeAndre Swift yet. And I guess I should probably take him here. Yeah, I'm going to take DeAndre Swift at the 105. You know, I want to say some. I'm going to stick with my gut and go Judy, but I will say I almost took Rager. Wow. As the wide receiver one. And uh, I'm going to go Lamb. All right. I am going to shake it up a bit and go Keyshawn Vaughn. Ooh. That's what I was taking if you didn't. All right, well, I'll, I'll stick to my word then, and I'll go Rager at 109. All right, so we're at 109. Um, I'm going to have 110. Uh, 110, sorry. Uh, I'm going to have to be a homer here and go with uh, Justin Jefferson. I like that. All right, so the 111. Oh, me. I'm going to go Brandon Ayuk. Cool. 112. This is a little interesting breakoff point, I kind of feel like. But I'm, I'm going to do the Homer thing, too. I'm going to take Visca. I really like his landing spot. All right, I'm going to have to go first IDP right here. I'm going Chase Young. Okay. All right, with the 202, I'm going to take Henry Ruggs. Yeah, that's not. It was kind of hard going Visco over Ruggs, but I'm just a believer in the talent there. Um, 203, even with all the talent, I think I'll take Joe Burrow here. I like it. Um, I'm going to take Denzel Mims. Oh, he did it. He sniped me. All right, I'm going to come back up and actually go. I'm going to go Michael Pittman. Pittman, nice. Um, man, this is where it's getting down to talent versus landing spot for me. Um, I think at this point I'll probably take the dynasty potential of T Higgins and wait the year. Yeah, I like that. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Patrick Queen here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with some IDPs. Nice. Okay. Where are we at here? 207. Yeah, the 207. Ooh. This is tricky. Um I am actually going to take 
Zach Moss. That's interesting. Shoot, I, I have my pick and then I forgot it. So you just went Moss. Um, oh, yeah. that I think I'm going to go uh, Dylan with 208. Mm, I was thinking that there. Um. Okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Tua. Tua. All right. I'm gonna go Devin Duvernay. Just simply based off fist bump points alone. Yeah. Just just off that. <laughs> I mean, when a coach gets that excited, you gotta listen. For sure, yeah, dude. Two eleven. That's tough. Um, I might stick with my words and my my philosophy of running backs and pick up Darrington Evans here. This is it. This is the two twelve. So that one was the two twelve because the two hundred one was young. All right. So well, three hundred one. I'm going Isaiah Simmons. Dab. Okay. <laughs> Let's see. Let's see. Let's just let's just stretch it out. So we'll go Simmons with the three hundred one and see how long until we can run out. Um, the three hundred two. I am gonna jump back into the second round, and I am going to take KJ Hamler. Like that. So three hundred three, Benny. I think at three hundred three. Well, I'll go with the potential here of Antonio Gibson, even though they've got McKissick and Peyton Barber and Darius Geis and AP. Sure. That room. Okay, I want to go with... I'm going to take Brian Edwards. Okay, so the 304. Oh... Um, man, it gets tricky. Um, I probably have to take Kenneth Murray here. Yeah, I think it's getting down to the point where it's starting to be IDPs, and then maybe some guys are going to go in the fourth and fifth and sixth. Probably Justin, Justin Herbert range. I think I'll take Chase Claypool here. Still a nice okay. talent. I'll uh I'll double up on QBs. I'll take Herbert. Herbert. Okay, and I will actually go Lynn Bowden. That's a good pick there too. Nice. Maybe I'm taking Chase on here. Yeah, I think okay. that's what I'm going with. Still going? Where are we at? Where are we at here? Yeah, we got one more pick each. All right, one more pick each. All right. Cool. I got I know my next one. Um let's see here. Getting tough now, Bo. Um I'll go Xavier McKinney. So the first safety off at three ten. 
Um, oh, this one is tricky. Um, mm. Okay. I will actually go ahead and tip my hat and take Jeremy Chin. I like Chin a lot. So I think this is my last pick. Uh, not a guy I was super excited about before the draft, but judging on draft capital and team fit, I think uh, Jordan Brooks makes a lot of sense at that pick. I think he might end up a tackle machine for Seattle. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's a great pick. So – to kind of round things out, we took one, two, three, four, five running backs before we decided to take Jerry Judy and and CD Lamb at 106 and 107. Keyshawn Vaughn goes 108. Jalen Rager goes 109. And then Justin Jefferson and Brandon Ayuk finish out the first round. Uh, 201 goes the first IDP to Chase Young. The first linebacker wasn't taken until 301 with the Arizona linebacker, Chase. Oh, Simmons. I took uh, Queen at uh, 206, I think. That's right. Queen went at like 206. Yeah. Um, Kenneth Murray goes at 304. Um, and then the two safeties in McKinney and Chin go 310, 311. And then Raddy finishes us out with the Seattle linebacker in Jordan Brooks. So, so that's yeah. that's a loaded draft. I mean, if you're if you're playing ID, you know, at leagues with IDP, and probably even if not, you know, that's uh, yeah, I'm fine with. Yeah, I, I know people were considering taking Simmons in the first, and now I, I think he, he is. He's about a third rounder, end of the second. Yeah, that's wild, isn't it, man? And I I think if he goes to the Panthers, I'm definitely considering taking him higher. Sure. But Cardinals. We're not my favorite IDP spot. Yeah. Yeah. And Simmons is one of those guys to, you know, kind of like we've talked about with some of these offensive guys that he's great, but it's going to be a couple years before it's really like his field, you know, by himself. Uh, Jordan Hicks is older. You know, we all know that, but Hicks is still there and he's still good. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, you're hoping for a Hicks injury, which they, they happen a lot. And then, uh, Campbell is just a he he just signed a one year deal. So yeah, I think beyond next year, I think it it, it probably is going to work out okay. But still, he, he but for yeah, but for offense, you know, people going into the rookie drafts need to be thinking about Ceh, Jk, Jt, Cam Akers, um, DeAndre Swift, dude, uh, Jerry Judy. C.D. Lamb, Keyshawn Vaughn. I mean, I don't think you'd take a Rager, a Jefferson, an Ayuk, or a Visca at 101. No. But I think there's a legitimate case to be made for probably, what is that, eight guys who could possibly see the 101? Yeah. I know it sounds ridiculous. No, that 101 was stressful, dude, when I was on when I was on the clock there. Like, I, God, you could go, yeah, literally like six or seven different ways. Yeah, I think people need to realize this is a different draft than we've seen. I know it's got a lot of hype, but man, did it deliver. When you look at last year, there was three wide receivers slash running backs selected in the first round. And one of them was Nikhil Harry, who was super late. And then Josh Jacobs. True. This year, there was nine in the first. And then I lost count in the second. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're dealing with 
a draft where guys who last year might have been the 103, 104 are going to be the 206, 207s. And so, yeah. you know, especially when you're talking IDP versus offense, you need to realize even if Nick Bosa made a ton of sense last year in the first round, I don't know if <laughs> Chase Young makes a ton of sense this year. Yeah. And I think the bigger thing, too, in rookie drafts, at least if you have first and seconds, like, it's going to be all right. You're going to get somebody who's yeah. like yes. uber talented, regardless of whether you have one pick or whether you've got, you know, five picks. Yeah, I got the um, 210, and I am I was pretty excited, and now I'm like, I'm not moving the 210. Yeah, I'm not trading any <laughs> seconds. Sure. I'm not trading probably anything under, like, 306 at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And even, like... You know, the next couple of days, there's going to be still some – there's still some good people out there. Yeah. Dolphin Peoples-Jones is still available. The Dolphins haven't um, picked a running back. They could pick someone who slides in as a day one starter. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, Benjamin is still out there. J.J. Taylor, I don't think, has been drafted. Uh, D.J. Dallas is still out yeah. there. So, still a lot of good running backs. There's still a lot of good wide receivers to be had. So, boys, this has been fun. It's been a late night. We've uh, We've wrapped it up in about an hour and 45 minutes. Ratty uh, at Fantasy Guru Bros. We appreciate your uh, your freaking running back and wide receiver, you know, knowledge. Just pouring it on us tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me, boys. It's it's really exciting being on the Big Three podcast. You know, the XFFL podcast is awesome, but you know, we got fifteen listeners. I'm I'm excited yeah. to get my brand out there a little bit and just to talk football with you boys. Absolutely. What what a uh, what a debut. But yeah, Ben, I mean you're you're gonna be looking at uh, I'd say we average about a half a million listens per sode. So uh, <laughs> yeah, you will Yeah, sounds good. You'll be going viral. So congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well this has been fun, boys. We're gonna wrap it up for the big three for the offensive portion. Um, at some point, we're going to jump over to Joshy Boy and I think Lee and Mike W for the IDP recap, which will be not near as fun no. uh, as this offensive yeah. recap has been. So thank you guys for joining us. Uh, make sure to tune in. Make sure to subscribe to the Big Three and enjoy the rest of the 2020 draft. Good luck to you in your rookie drafts this year. Peace. We'll see All right, welcome one and all to the second half of the Big 3 IDP Megapod recapping the 2020 NFL Draft. I'm joined in StreamYard by the one and only Adam Markham and a special guest tonight, Lee Andrews. Dr. Leezus himself. Lee, thanks for joining us, man. Thanks for having me, Josh. It's a, it's a privilege and an honor to be in here with some IDP powerhouses, so I'm, I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Uh, Lee is part of what we affectionately call the Little Three. Uh, these are three guys from our league that have been doing the XFFL pod um, since me and Adam and Bobby went Hollywood and started the Big Three pod. So we had Ben on the offensive side. Now we're having Lee on the defensive side. And uh, you know who it is, our fourth guest here. It's the one and only Mike Wallert. Mike, how are you, sir? I am doing great. Another uh, another draft in the books and ready to for that carpal tunnel to start setting in to start typing away. I was going to say, I know you've already been a, a bit of a grind boy here since uh, the draft has ended. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said that you were working on a piece uh, for four for four that's going to be coming out here pretty soon, I take it? 
Yep. Linebackers are in the can. Defensive line is next. Defensive back is all typed up. Like I know who I'm writing about and it's just a matter of putting it to, to Google and, and sending it off to ed- the editors. That's right. Well, we're really thrilled to have you, Mike. Uh, you know, this has uh, been a real treat to have you on here a whole lot recently previewing free agency, you know, uh, talking about some of these rookies. So now we're going to do the fun part. You know, the the preview, the build up, the anticipation is so much fun, but we love when we actually have some data to talk about. The NFL draft just wrapped up probably an hour or so ago. Uh, so before we get into the top landing spots for some of these IDP guys, let's just recap how we felt about our team's draft. I'm a Colts fan. Adam, you're a Vikings fan. Lee, you're a Rams fan. And Mike, you're a Browns fan. So let's start with you, Mike. How did you feel about the Browns draft overall? Overall, I thought they they hit it out of the park with Andrew Barry. Uh, I was a little worried um, that there'd be some trade downs just because Paul DePodesta in the past, they've always liked to, to draft and accumulate picks. But at this point, I think their roster is relatively built. There's no really need to accumulate more draft picks. It's now just building and let's, uh, let's roll with the team. I liked, uh, I thought they were going to go Tristan Wirfs. Um, Wills is fine. Uh, he should be a, a good run blocker, so that'll certainly help Nick Chubb. Um, I love the Delpit pick, and they filled in with some nice pieces overall. I mean, overall, I'm, I'm seeing some really good uh, positive reviews, but uh, overall, I was pretty happy with the draft. Nice. I, I agree. I thought they were going worse there as well. Um, so it was a little bit of a uh, – you figured they were going offensive linemen there. Oh, right? yeah. Oh, yeah. I I, it, I think as soon as even Simmons was gone, I think that really um, took Simmons out. But I had a, I was hoping they weren't going to trade down. I had a feeling as soon as those offensive linemen started to fall a little bit, um, I, I had a feeling that two out of their three were going to be available. So I really didn't see any reason to trade down, and they didn't. Yeah, I was a little surprised that Andrew Thomas was the first offensive lineman to go. Yeah, Giants um, made a good pick. Who knew? They did. They did. So, um, Addy, let's talk about your Vikings. This was uh, a fun draft for the Vikes. How'd you feel about it now that uh, day three is done? Yeah, I thought they did great. You know, I thought uh, I loved the first pick with Justin Jefferson. That was, uh, oh, yeah. you know, great dig replacement. Um so love that there. And then, you know, we got we got Gladney at corner. So we addressed two of the biggest needs, wide receiver and corner. Um, the third pick was offensive lineman, another huge need. Um, I think we got another corner. Um, and then we got Troy Dye late as well in the fourth round. That's nice. So that I, was my guy. I can't wait to hear Mike talk about uh, Troy Dye. So, um, yeah, I, I think the Vikings did a, did a great job this year. Yeah, I agree. I loved Justin Jefferson there for you all. That was one. I think you all were talking about it on the live stream that you did with the IDP guys. And you were saying, you know, you'd love to see a Diggs replacement here. And then it is Justin Jefferson. So that's one of those where you're just like, oh, my gosh, it makes sense. And we made the smart pick. Yeah, it's always unusual when the Vikings do, you know, something that you you like and it pleases you. Yes. Now, as far as uh, I think a draft that fans were happy about, Lesus, I don't think Rams fans were particularly thrilled with LA's draft. Take us through it. So their their two first picks, number fifty two and number fifty seven, were in my opinion not necessarily what we needed. That O line last year really struggled. 
Um, and our linebacker core, especially with letting Littleton go, as those are the two places that we needed to address. Um, we had Josh Jones and Zach Bond on the board for both picks. Um, instead, we take Cam Akers, which I do like Cam. Um, he can succeed if we get our offensive line right. Um, and then we took Van Jefferson, which I still had a problem with. I think Josh Reynolds can step up. Um, we even still had Denzel Mims on the board there, who I would have would have rather had. Um, but then we circled back. We got Terrell Lewis late. Um, he flashed really well at Alabama. I like his play style. He's a really, really good pass rusher. It's what, that's what we need with Dante Fowler leaving. So that pick I was happy about. He's got some, some injury concerns. Didn't play a whole lot during his time at Alabama, but he can definitely step in. So I think the more it, the more it sinks in, the more I like the Cam Akers pick, um, but the Van Jefferson pick is what's making my head scratch there a little bit. Yeah, it's there is a strategy for drafting that I like, which is stack your strengths. But at the same time, I typically feel like that's for teams that don't have gaping needs like you all did. Um, so it was a bit of a head scratcher. I know you and Bobby were throwing a mutiny in our uh, XFFL <laughs> slack, it seemed like. So uh, well, you all Bobby you, was looking forward to uh, the, the rookie draft. That's why he's pumped about acres going there. Bobby's got 19,000 first round picks. So. <laughs> yeah. He also was happy, happy to see Daryl Henderson vaporize to a certain extent for, for Ben Ratty because he's tried to get Henderson for years now and hasn't been able to. So it's a little bit of sweet revenge. Um, uh, the Colts draft I'm pretty mixed on right now. Um, the Michael Pittman choice there at 34th overall. We'll see. I get the big body receiver is a need for us. I think what they're essentially trying to do is what they couldn't do last year with Devin Funches because Funches broke his collar collarbone. Um, I was I'm thrilled about the Jonathan Taylor pick as a mm-hmm. Colts fan. I am horribly shocked and crushed as a Marlon Mack owner uh, that basically it was like Thanos snapped and now Marlon Mack is dust. Um, (laughs) The next pick there in the third round, the 85th overall pick, I did not like at all. Uh, Julian Blackman, a safety out of Utah. This was a guy who uh, tore his ACL in December, so probably not even going to play this year for us. I get that it's a uh, Clayton Gathers replacement, but... Uh, that was I, I did see I think I shared the tweet from PFF that it was their like 170th graded player and we took him at 85 overall so it was a pretty big reach uh, the only real other notable pick for me was uh, Jacob Eason the quarterback out of Washington there in the fourth round at 122 overall you know whatever it's fine uh, you know to see that he's going to be competing with Chad Kelly for the third string quarterback it's like could could there have been someone there in the fourth round that maybe could have had a chance to crack the starting lineup because unless your three other guys die in a bus crash Jacob Beeson is not going to see the field in 2020 it's just not going to happen <laughs> so um overall I'd probably give our 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 uh, draft like a C maybe a C plus at best um we'll see how it pans out I, I real quick, I think one of the funniest developments on on Twitter and and the draft is watching Patriots fan question and sell their allegiance to the team because as a Browns fan that is absolutely hysterical to me that you're just coming off this wonderful dynasty and now you're questioning your allegiance is just I just find that absolutely hysterical. Yeah, yeah, Patriots fans um <laughs> 
you know, from what I've heard from people who live in Boston and were Patriots fans, you know, real true lifers, there was a lot of Patriots bandwagon fans that jumped on when the Brady dynasty started. So mm-hmm. I think we're see, about to see a lot of rats jumping off the ship here this year yeah. uh, when they're yeah. starting Jared Stidham for 16 games. Because they were bad. They were bad before Brady. They were. They were, were like a... They were an afterthought. They they had a super. They had that Super Bowl against the Bears, where they got crushed. But they were there. But then it was basically until uh, Bledsoe came into town. Yeah, that they were just a, a an afterthought there in New England behind the Celtics and the Red Sox, and mm-hmm. we'll see. I don't know if they have uh, something up their sleeve or if they're just going to ride with Stidham and Hoyer. You know, and nothing materialized in terms of the draft at QB for them. So uh, let's talk about the draft. Actually, this was the first virtual draft that we had, obviously, Mm -hmm. because of as ESPN let us know about every third pick uh, because of the coronavirus pandemic. Um, What were you all's thoughts on the draft as a whole? Um, I'll get us going. I, I thought it was, like I said before we got on mic here, sort of a miracle that they pulled this off and that there wasn't some sort of like one hour delay when like a power line was cut in Bristol somewhere and ESPN lost power. So the fact that they pulled it off, I'm very, very impressed. Um, I got uh, a little fatigued and this has been pointed out on Twitter with all of the uh, draft prospects, uh, all of their horrifying life history, all their (laughs) lost loved ones being brought up in the biggest, happiest moment of their life. That got a little old pretty quick. I literally remember one of the guys, I was like, Allie, did you hear this i can't remember which one it was his dad at when he was 10 years old stumbled on a patch of gravel fell into the street and was struck by a, a pickup truck and killed that, that was lavisca chanel i remember was that it one. okay oh yeah God. so i was like yep. poor lavisca has just been drafted this is amazing and espn is like lavisca let us remind you about your father's tragic passing there was one i think they were talking about henry ruggs and um, they were going through his um, his tragedy there, and then they flashed at John Gruden just celebrating so hard with it as they were talking about Henry Ruggs' uh, tragic life there, which I thought was less than ideal for him. Yeah, I don't know who the producers were that said, let's pull up every tragic story that's ever happened to these folks, but that was my only major knock. That and like the 600 coronavirus videos. It's like, guys, we get it. We know. We're living this right now. We know it's hell out there. They also had uh, one for T. Higgins. It was like his his mother was a recovering drug. Addict. <laughs> yeah. like, Why is this necessary? What are y'all doing? Yeah, we don't need to bring this up. Like, I, if mm-hmm. I'm if I'm his mom, I don't want it being blasted across the airwaves that I'm a recovering drug addict. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very so weird. It was very strange, but I thought I, you know I missed the live element of it, the flashes to the crowd, the actual crowd noise, the hugs with the commissioner, uh, seeing the shots of the city and the draft set up. I missed that a lot. I think Vegas would have been buck wild as an actual draft location. So I'm sad that that is going to be delayed. I think until they said 2022, mm-hmm. uh, Vegas is going to get the 2022 draft. But Mike, what were your yep. thoughts on the first virtual draft? I got to tell you, it 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 was it was real. Um, 
I know you didn't get, you know, the chest bumps and everything, but you know what? It was kind of cool to see the settings of all the the GMs and the coaches. They had their kids with them. So, I mean, they spent their, you know, there was family time and it was just kind of cool to see. It was real. And, you know, at the same time, it's like, well, this is what we do. You know, we draft online all the time, but it was cool to see all the setups, all the monitors and just, uh, I, I just thought it was really cool. And then, you know, you got to see interruption you know sometimes you saw interruptions and if you do a search for for jacob eason i think there was a little bit of shenanigans going on between him and his girlfriend so um there was a little bit uh you know he's putting a shirt on and the was that he's doing her hair yeah they were coming out of the back room yes i saw this yes Good, um, good for him. But, he needed to blow off yeah, some steam. Need, need, needed, needed the stress relief, but yeah. I, I, I liked it. I, I thought it was it was cool to see. Um, just like I said, everybody in their settings, um, all the families were were gathered around. Yeah, the Goodell was a little cheesy, but it was just see, funny to see the de evolution as he went from suits to hoodie to sweatpants to just like, hey, it's the fireside chat time. Um, what would have been funny is today is if he did some announcing. He he said he was doing his um, you know his spring chores and just to him seeing you know he's pulling weeds and you know weed whacking like oh with the hundred ninetieth pick the Browns select. <laughs> but I th- I thought it was pretty cool. I you yeah. Know, if it's a one time thing, hopefully it's not a one time thing. But um, I enjoyed it. Yeah, you see him like, like you said, pulling weeds. Like, oh hi, I didn't see you there. <laughs> see I'm that. Roger Goodell, <laughs> commissioner like a of the NFL. Sitcom intro. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> seriously, <laughs> that's great. So, um, yeah, the it was nice just to have something on TV. Yep. The country responded in a big way. The opening night, I think, drew 15.6 million viewers. The previous record had been 12.4. So it smashed the previous viewership records. Uh, not surprising, considering we have no live sports on TV. Did anyone catch Vrabel's sons? One was yes. Frozone from The Incredibles. The other one had the sweetest mullet I've ever seen in my life. So he yeah. was Frozone. I was wondering what the costume was. That's awesome. And there was some stuff going on in the background of that one as well, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, he had to come out and, con- and and deny that his other son was on the toilet in the background. He said he was just, <laughs> he was sitting on a stool. I was like, you're darn right he was sitting on some yeah, stool. He was yeah. dropping a deuce. <laughs> yeah, there was stool involved. There was a stool, just not the type you're talking about. So, yeah, a lot of fun. It was good to have an NFL draft. And, of course, the big benefit is now we've been previewing these prospects, doing mock drafts, dreaming up landing spots. But now we actually get to talk about some of... Of these landing spots for the most relevant IDP players. So, Mike, we are thrilled to have you on. Uh, we're going to let you kind of uh, drive the bus here as we go through and look at. We've picked out 17 players that we're going to walk through and talk about their landing spot, whether we like it, whether we don't like it, how it affects their uh, standing in rookie drafts and their outlook for dynasty. So, uh, if you guys are ready, let's just jump into it and uh, let's roll. kick let's kick things off, Mike, uh, with the predator himself. Uh, This is Chase Young out of Ohio State. Most people had him mocked going to the Washington Redskins, and that's what ended up happening. Mm -hmm. So Young lands in Washington. How do you like the spot there, Mike, especially with the loaded talent that the Redskins now have along the defensive line? Yeah, real, real good spot, especially with um, them being... 
uh, a 43 team. So he joins a, a really good group of, of defensive linemen um, where he's not going to really need to carry the weight, but he is he's not going to probably see double and triple teams like he was used to at Ohio State because you got Kerrigan, you've got Montez Sweat, and then you've got Drawn Payne, and you got Jonathan Allen up there. So he is not, I don't think, going to see as many double or triple teams as maybe as he's seen. He's probably going to get some attention, of course, just because, you know, hey, it's this rookie. We need to probably, we need to, you know, show him, hey, welcome to the league, kid, you know, and probably try to put him on his ass. But I, I, I think he's going to um, excel right away. I think, in my opinion, he might already be better than Nick Bosa. And I know that's saying a lot, but, um, you know, right out of the gate, I don't foresee why he couldn't reach double digit sacks uh, immediately. And depending on your scoring, he's probably going to be in, he's probably going to be in consideration for your first IDP um, in in rookie drafts. Yeah, absolutely. That was something we talked to Joey the Tooth about on our preview episode. And he said the same thing, Mike, that he thought he was a better version of Nick Bosa Mm -hmm. uh, because he had the technical skills, but had that elite athleticism that few guys possess. So, Lee, let me ask you, where are you starting to think about taking Chase Young if you're in a rookie draft right now? Oh, with a with a rookie draft standard, I have a hard time trying to take a defensive player first mm-hmm. round. But I think with Chase Young's talent, I I could see him maybe going right around the one ten, around that range. So late first, early second for sure. Yeah, I like that. That's when I would be thinking about it as well. Addy, has anything changed in your mind now that uh, Chase Young has actually landed in Washington? Well, I think. Um, in regards to like where he's going to go in rookie drafts, I think that uh, you know post draft he's actually been pushed down the board a little bit just mm-hmm. because there's there were so many good landing spots for running backs. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are gonna, are going to still want CD Lamb and Jerry mm-hmm. Judy despite oh, yeah. you know the landing spots not not being ideal, I guess. Um, so I could see I, I think Lee's right. I could see Chase Young going to that you know one ten to even like early second. Um, de- you know, depending on on your league, um, and and Isaiah Simmons talk about like a real slide. Mm-hmm. He he's gonna probably go like late second now. Yeah, I'd say so. Just because of, like you said, so many good offensive. The offense really was the winner of the draft in terms of, I think, rookie draft positioning. Mm -hmm. Mike, when you look at and and start to piece together your preseason rankings, Mm -hmm. uh, do you think that you'll have Chase Young inside your top 12 for defensive ends? Top 12, he'll probably be right around there. I mean, I don't see him falling out of a, a top 15. I don't see a scenario where he's going to fall out of the top 15. Um, but yeah, he's probably going to be within that top top 12, top 15 range um, for redraft. It's um, it's just really hard not to like him. And, and with you guys, like I said, I, I agree with you guys. If I'm early on in a rookie draft, I'm, I'm pretty much I'm taking a position player. I'm taking an offensive guy. Um and if I'm later on, you know, maybe circling around, depending on my need, you know, a posi- you know, if there's a, a good offensive player that's going to slide, chasing, you know, play on words here, not to to chase, uh, uh, bringing it back with with Chase Young, but uh, it really all depends on your scoring. But I it like I echo Simmons. I think he's going to slide, but uh, but yeah, really good draft for some really good IDB prospects. If you happen to not get 
those two elite guys or those two or three top guys. Yeah, Lee, you had a nice note in here, you know, as far as is Washington now the second best defensive line in the league behind Mm -hmm. San Francisco. And whether you have those one or two, the thought that I just had is if we think Chase Young is better than Nick Bosa, look at the rookie season that Nick Bosa had on a line that is arguably as stacked, if not more so than Washington. So Chase Young should have a very productive rookie season if he's the player that we think he is uh, because he landed in a very similar situation as Nick Bosa in terms of you've got a lot of help along the defensive line. So we'll see how it pans out. He's probably still my pick. Um, Maybe him or Patrick Queen, who we'll talk about here in just a little bit for defensive uh, rookie of the year. Uh, But let's jump to a guy that we've mentioned a couple times now, Isaiah Simmons. Addy, this was hard breaking and I want to start with you because uh, I know this is a fun NFL move it's great for the Cardinals but for your baby Buddha and the shares that you had of your of your beloved son this was not a good night not good not good Josh I uh, as as we as we all know I'm ate up with Buddha and pretty much every IDP league I'm in and uh, yeah that's gonna be a mess for the most part you know d- figuring out who who's uh, who to target week to week? I do like it long term for Simmons. I, I I for one, it's it's always hard to to trust Jordan Hicks. I know he he actually stayed healthy for sixteen games last year, but he's he's always been someone that struggled with health. Um, so that could be an issue at some point. Uh, Devondre Campbell just signed a one year deal, so that's just a short term thing. Um, so. I don't mind Isaiah Simmons for 2021. If you can stand to be patient, I think long term he's a he's gonna he's gonna be he'll be great. Um, and him and Buddha together, that's gonna be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, did uh, did Simmons get knocked down in terms of your expectations for him landing in Arizona, Mike? Slightly, just because he's gonna be a good player. I, I, you know, he's shaping up to be a perennial all pro, um, but there's going to be competition for, for numbers. There's going to be competition for production. Um, and when you have a player like Simmons who plays all over the place, it's a good thing and a bad thing because he's not locked into one position and necessary, you know, that could be a kind of a down a down on his on his IDB production because one play he could play in uh, in the slot and he may not see the ball or may not have a chance to make a play one side he's maybe playing on the defensive line and again doesn't have a chance to make a play as opposed to playing in one one spot of the field you know what your assignment is you're either going to play the run or you may drop back into coverage or something may come in your way you may be able to get a play um, so I think from from that standpoint um I'm not completely down on Simmons. I mean, he's a good player. He, he can do everything, but it, it does um, eh, kind of bring it down a little bit uh, to me. Yeah, it's one of those things where what makes him so special, his ability to line up anywhere mm-hmm. is what hurts him for IDP purposes. Mm-hmm. Just because we have no idea, it's hard enough to get any kind of um, consistency or reliability with a lot of these IDP guys where they're not going to crap your team week to week. 
you throw in kind of this uh, jack of all trades player like Isaiah Simmons, and now that kind of frustration is only intensified because he's playing all over the field, like Mike said. Mike, I'm curious when you look at situations like Arizona mm-hmm. that adds all of these defensive playmakers mm-hmm. is sometimes with offense, it's like a rising tide lifts all boats for fantasy mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. everyone gets a bump up. Mm-hmm. What happens on the defensive side in your mind when a lot of defensive talent gets infused into a team? There's just, there's different competition. I mean, you, instead of maybe, Isaiah Simmons getting a solo tackle, maybe he's only going to get an assist because other people are converging on the ball or converging on a play. So, you know, a team may see, oh, you know what? Simmons is lining up on this side. Let's audible and let's roll away from him because of what he can do. So when you have a guy like that, they're going to game plan maybe away from him. So he may not see as much action now he's obviously very fast so he can close in you know obviously when he was in Clemson he was really the only guy on that defense that was really making any plays now you come into the league where you have veterans and you have guys that are capable of making plays Jordan Hicks Devondra Campbell Buda Baker um, Chandler Jones these are all veterans and these are all guys that are capable of making plays and that can contribute so it's not just going to fall on him so I think in terms of he, he still I think has a a pretty solid ceiling but i think where he is maybe his floor isn't as high as it might have been um at least in 2020 2021 is going to be a different is going to be different just because like you said um devondra campbell's only on a one-year deal so you know things could change a little bit but at things for 2020 his floor got got clipped a little bit it did it's um i don't know that anyone well Tampa Bay had a pretty good offseason, but Arizona's up there as far yeah. as, you know, best offseasons. Yeah. Yeah. When your second round pick is DeAndre Hopkins, that's pretty <laughs> damn good. So, yeah. uh, Lee, I'm curious, when you were watching Simmons, was there a guy that jumped out to you that's in the league right now as far as a comp for Simmons? Definitely. I think he played a lot like Derwin James for the last mm-hmm. Angeles Chargers. Um, they line him up everywhere. He can be an edge rusher, nickel linebacker, slot corner, safety. Um, in terms of speed, he's quick, if not quicker. So I think he comps pretty well to Derwin James. Yeah, that's that's a great comp. And especially, you know, if you can get Derwin James type production, of course, Derwin doesn't have anyone at the level of Buda Baker playing next to him. So we'll see how the opportunity I think that's what we're looking at really is how much of an opportunity is Simmons going to have to be around the ball and make plays that score you points, because unfortunately, you don't get points for being a great NFL defender who locks people down and stops, you know, makes the play shift to the other side and does all these things that you love defensive players to do for your team that you don't get points for. We wish that there was a way to do that, but right now there's not. So uh, let's move on here. We know Simmons is going to be fun to watch, if nothing else, in the NFL. We'll see how his IDP future shapes up. Uh, This was another landing spot, Mike. I'm curious to get your (laughs) thoughts on. I know uh, Adam talked about it a little bit on the live stream right when it happened. Kenneth Murray landing with the Los Angeles Chargers. This was one of people's favorite linebackers coming into the draft. Kind of lands in a muddled situation in terms of the history of linebacker production there. Mm-hmm. What are your feelings on Murray landing in LA? When it happened, I just had that immediate reaction like you've just got to be kidding me. Of all the spots, I mean there was Philadelphia. I think he went before Baltimore, so I don't think Baltimore had the chance to grab him if I, I think 
this is what 23rd, I think. Um, so I don't think Baltimore even had a chance to grab him, but like that area where it's like, Oh, Philly, come on, pull the trigger. And no. And then he lands in Los Angeles. And at first I'm like, of all the spots where he could land rotation from hell every year. But then I'm a little bit more cautiously optimistic. Um, San Diego or Los Angeles, they they traded a few picks to move up to get him. They, in my opinion, he's already probably one of the top linebackers on the team. I mean, you're playing, you're looking at Denzel Perriman, who can't stay on the field. Kazir White really hasn't worked out. Um, Drew Tranquil, yeah, he's okay, I guess. Um, Thomas Davis is no longer there, so the the linebacker group in in Los Angeles isn't uh, leaves a lot to be desired. So I'm cautiously optimistic that Anthony Lynn will say, "Hey, this guy is not going to leave the field, and he is a going to be a playmaker. He's going to be a leader of our defense. He's going to play and not be part of really any rotation. So I think he still has a a pretty decent ceiling. Um, If I'm in a redraft league, I'm probably taking a few, I'm probably targeting veterans first before I target him, but I'm probably still, if I can grab him as a, as a third or fourth linebacker, I think I'm okay with that, but I'm cautiously optimistic that they'll play him and that he won't be uh, subject to to those rotations. Yeah, Adam, do you think this is a situation where we've always wanted these Chargers linebackers to do something for IDP, but they've just never had a guy like Murray at that talent level, and now maybe the story will be different? Yeah, that's definitely a possibility. Uh, I mean, yeah, the, the guys that uh, the, the rotation what in the last few years was like, what, Jatavis Brown, mm-hmm. Perriman, mm-hmm. uh, Tranquil, None of those guys were. I don't. I, I, Perriman might have been high draft capital. I, I think he maybe was, but um, but yeah, Murray I think has uh, a lot more expectations than any of those other linebackers did coming in. Um, so yeah, I, I think we could see him maybe buck the trend. Um, I believe it'll be. I believe it'll be him and Tranquil mm-hmm. and Derwin James probably leading that team in tackles. I, I tweeted it and I said, if Denzel Perriman continues to get opportunities, he has pictures, uh, some sort of, he has incriminating evidence on everybody in the Los Angeles front office if he continues to get opportunities. He knows where the bodies are buried. Mm-hmm, he does. He does. Yeah. So, Lee, what were your thoughts on the landing spot here? You know, uh, the Chargers, you just kind of get the heebie-jeebies when you talk about Chargers linebackers. Are you scared off at all uh, seeing Murray land there? I think with Kenneth Murray's potential, um, I'm not too scared. Like Mike was saying, cautiously optimistic. Um, From what I was watching, his man coverage lacks, but I think if somebody works with him, he's got the the potential to be a three-down linebacker. Mm -hmm. If he's developed right, he's got a knack for the ball. He's a very downhill player. Um, If he can get that coverage right, I think he's got potential to be a really good three-down linebacker and someone that I wouldn't shy away from. Yeah, that's a great point. Well, let's move on to another linebacker here who landed in a seemingly much better situation with Patrick Queen landing with the Baltimore Ravens. Mike, were you as excited as I was when you saw Queen land in Baltimore? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, this is pretty much the uh, a best case scenario for for Queen to to land in. Um I mean, who who there there's nobody there. Uh Anwuso no. is gone. LJ Fort, Chris Board, uh 
who, you know, who knows? And, you know, even still, uh, Queen was only a one year starter, but he at least the, he showed he flashed on tape and he showed and he flashed. So, um, uh, you know, he's uh, uh, really good around the line of scrimmage solos. He can keep up with running backs. He can keep up with tight ends. Um Blitzing, I know he didn't really do much, but he could be asked to do a little bit more of that in in, in Baltimore. But um, there's really no competition for tackles anywhere, not even at the safety spot. I mean, Chuck Clark is, I mean, he's kind of their captain, he, but still really no competition for tackles. So I I think between the, the talent that Queen has and his landing spot, I'm almost... I have no problem going queen over Simmons and rookie drafts. And I would take him in redraft. I think he's going to probably be a, a solid uh, second linebacker. I think. Yeah, I agree. Addy, are you, is queen your top rookie linebacker for this year and for dynasty purposes? Yeah, I think so. I think he just got the best shot at being a uh, perennial, you know, linebacker one. Yeah. There's just nobody there. And like, mm-hmm. can't you just see this being the next great Ravens linebacker that's there for like 10 to 12 years? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it should be fun. Um, Lee, I'm curious now, as we think about rookie drafts, we've mentioned the glut of offensive talent that's going to be stocking the pipeline in the first round. Where are you taking a guy like... Um, like Patrick Queen in a big play. We're in a big play league together. So I'm curious, uh, you know, typically defensive ends go a little bit higher in leagues like that because of the scoring format. So where would you be thinking about pulling the trigger on someone like Patrick Queen? Uh, For me specifically, I think with Patrick Queen, he goes in there, he's going to have an immediate just run at the starting linebacker position. He's a three down linebacker um i honestly he's probably right behind chase young for me um i would say probably middle of the second round is where i'd be okay Mm -hmm. taking that first shot at him yep yeah i think addy in the uh the mock draft that you all had at the end of the uh the first segment that we had on this podcast you took queen at uh pretty early in the second round didn't you I think it was 206. 206, okay. I think I think Chase Young went 201. But, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You're going to have a lot of tough decisions there at the end of that first round and early second. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, if, if you if you do have one of those early seconds, you you may, you know, really benefit from that. Yeah, I feel like in, like end of the first is going to be, in some ways, like that, that tear break, though, where you're like, because it's always really hard to figure out. Like, we've talked about this before, like, if you're trying to trade a stud offensive piece, you're not you can't just trade a stud defensive piece. It doesn't equate uh, those two. Those two pieces aren't equally valuable. So mm-hmm. it's like I think the end of the first is where we'll see that tear break. And it's like these 12 guys on offense and then you slot in Chase Young at 13. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What I was what I was saying, what's nice about Chase Young is, you know, that he's going to retain his value. Like he he might be the safest one of the safest picks in 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 your drafts just because he's immediately going to be worth like at least a first and a second probably two first I mean really if you if you immediately sell Chase Young after your rookie draft you'll probably get at least a first and a second I would say 
Yes, absolutely. He holds his value. That's what you've said. Like this guy is not going to lose value. He's actually going to gain value right after the draft, probably. Yep. So, uh, Mike, let's let's buzz through these next couple, because I know not everyone plays in a defensive tackle required league. Mm-hmm. It truly is only the sickos that indulge in such kind of uh, such kind of uh, torture and punishment. But these could be guys that actually are relevant uh, in sleeper leagues where you have the defensive line designation. So mm-hmm. the the uh, drafts top two defensive tackles, Derek Brown and Javon Kinlaw, uh, you had Derek Brown going to the Panthers, who took all. All seven of their picks on the defensive mm-hmm. side of the ball. So you can tell the type of team that Matt Rule is trying to build down there. Uh, Javon Kinlaw lands with the 49ers. So, uh, Mike, of these two guys, I'm curious, uh, which of the two are you more kind of gravitating to in, term, in terms of fantasy? Um, probably going towards uh, leaning a little bit more towards Kinlaw. I think I like Kinlaw's landing spot a little bit better than than Brown's. Um, I mean, look at the 49ers. They traded away DeForest Buckner and they land what could be a cheaper version of DeForest Buckner for the next couple of years. Um He's going to slot right in and play alongside uh, Armstead and Nick Bosa. He's got a good linebacking core behind him. So, I, you know, he's really good run stopper. Um, Sacks might not be as high maybe in his rookie year. Um, it's not really what he's kind of known for. He's kind of that disruptor, uh, probably clog up some holes, but he's really good. He's going to really be a disruption in the in the run but he should play you know 60 to 70 percent of the snaps he's not going to be an every down guy but he's going to play 60 to 70 percent of the snaps i think um and i think he's going to be your probably your dt1 um in premium league so i like his spot a little bit better than than brown and i think i like uh kinlaw's skill set a little bit more um as well yeah, that was one thing Joey said was you're going to see Kinlaw probably get more big plays, more sacks. Uh, you'll probably see Brown get more tackles. So it may depend on what kind of league you're in in terms of scoring. It is interesting, Mike, you brought that up. And that was something I found very funny was that you had the 49ers trade away one of the best defensive tackles in the league for, like you said, a younger, cheaper version. And I got to thinking about that because we know the Colts, I think going into free agency, uh, had about $90 million in cap space. Mm -hmm. So they had just gobs and gobs of money to give away. And so that trade makes a lot more sense now because if you just look at the 49ers, know they're going to have to pay Bosa. Mm -hmm. Uh, They brought back Armstead on the franchise tags. I don't know what how that's progressing in terms of uh, long-term contract talks. We'll see, but it could have been they knew they had some guys coming up they had to pay, and they just they could not. They, they that was Buckner was not one of the guys that they prioritized mm-hmm. signing long term. So in that context, the deal makes a lot of sense. The Colts are like, we've got money. Send us Buckner. You can have this pick mm-hmm. and take your de- your younger, cheaper defensive tackle of the future. So, yeah, I agree. I think uh, Kinlaw is a guy I like just a smidge better than Brown. Both guys are going to be really good if you're in a defensive tackle required league. Uh, but wanted to touch on them briefly, wanted to give them their their due there. But let's move on and uh, talk about um, the next guy here. This is an edge guy, um, and it is the Jaguars pick. Um, help me out here with the name. I can never remember. Is this... Uh, 
uh, Kalevon Chason, baby. Kalevon Chason. I didn't know. I was going to go Clavon, and I was like, I know that is not no. right. Kalevon Chason to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And uh, Mike, we'll start with you. Uh, this was a, a highly uh, thought of prospect. Lands in Jacksonville. We know there had been some departures there. How do you like the fit for Kalevon? I'm yeah I, I I really like the fit. I wanted to see him in a you know like a, like a couple of other guys. I wanted to see him in uh in a 43 um you know he'll slot right in probably opposite Josh Allen. Um this probably more than signifies the end of of Yannick Ngakoue. Um although he hasn't technically been moved, he's still on the team, but um you know he's he's probably going to get in there and and uh you know play that edge right away um my only concern is maybe he he took some plays off maybe he doesn't dominate as much as he he could um his pressure rate wasn't as high just because maybe he was taking some of those plays off but um he when he did dominate or when he did show up he's a a freak athlete um just needs to develop a little bit in the run um just he's he is a legit player um he'll he'll show up i think when he needs to he's kind of has uh the agility of kind of a linebacker but in a defensive end frame and uh but i do like the spot um they're rebuilding their defense and he's probably going to be my I'd have a feeling he's probably going to be my second defensive lineman um, for for rookies this year. Nice. Yeah. Lee, you had a funny note in our doc. It seems like uh, if you're a Jags fan, you're probably not surprised with the chase on pick here, right? Now, the Jags can never get out of the first round without drafting a D lineman of any sort. David Caldwell said, over my dead body, if you're going to pick a D lineman over somebody else. So that was very on brand for Jacksonville there. Absolutely. And it's like, I appreciate when a team knows what they're about. Like we know the Raiders are about getting the fastest wide receiver every single year. Uh, But that hasn't really worked out great for the Jags. I know they have other issues going on, but um, I think over the past decade or decade plus, sorry, Mike, the only team that has fewer wins in that time frame than the Jags is the Browns. So it, yeah. it maybe the defensive lineman first round strategy hasn't quite worked out, but you know they whiffed on Bortles, whiffed on uh, bringing in uh, our boy Big Dick Nick. So maybe it's just a matter of they have other problems, uh, not the defensive line so markham are you as high on chase on as it sounds like mike is um yeah i mean i like him and i like the landing spot i just again i'm with you guys i'm just like i don't what jacksonville let's try something different let's please just try something different you know no one wants to stay there for one so this like what 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 happens is he'll get good and then he'll be gone just that's what happens every single time with uh with these guys so we got to do something else. We got to we got to try and figure out the offense, uh, Jacksonville. But yeah, it's a great. I think it's a great spot for fantasy. Yeah. So let's move to the first DB that we're going to talk about here. This is Xavier McKinney landing with the Giants. And Mike, did you see this pick coming? I didn't necessarily think of safety as being a big position of need for New York, but you see McKinney landing there. Maybe maybe it was a position of need. How did you see it? Yeah, it was it was interesting choice, but you know he. I think at that point maybe he was probably one of the top players on the board. Uh, there was a big safety run that that did start. Um, 
you know what? I think they were trying to, I think with this pick, they're trying to find maybe their second version of Landon Collins. Um, same type of build, same type of safety from, you know, again, from Alabama. Um, I think it's, I think it could end up being a good spot. I, I think he's going to be one of those guys that I'm going to look over again and I might plant my flag and say, you know what? I think he's going to be a box guy. I think he's going to play up near the line of scrimmage more. I know there's Jabril Peppers. He can kind of play all over. I think Antoine Bethea is still there, but really the Giants didn't really address any other concerns on the linebacker. It's still uh, Blake Martinez. And I think they drafted somebody in the seventh round. Um, Tay something or I, I can't remember his name, but they really didn't address the linebacker. And I think Xavier McKinney is someone who can play up near the box. And um, I, I'm probably going to have him as my as my top DB um, r- rookie do- DB, whether in rookie drafts or in redraft. So um, I think I'm going to plant my flag on on this kid. Yeah, I like it, Mike. And hearing you mention Bethay, I went and checked, and he's actually a free agent. Okay. So okay. that helps explain why they saw uh, safety as a position of need was because it sounds like Bethay is not going to be back there. So uh, makes a lot of sense. Um, Addy, this was a guy that I think in talking with Joey, he was pretty high on McKinney as well. And it seems like uh, for the league's top defensive back, pretty nice landing spot going to New York. Yeah, I think so too. I think that was Joey's. Uh, I think the comp that we that we had for him was uh, Malcolm Jenkins, but that was that was his number one overall safety as well. Um, what do we think about for fantasy and rookie drafts? Um, I could see him being like a mid third, maybe yeah. late third. Yeah, I don't. I don't see any reason to. to re- I don't reach for DBs anyway. I'm sure, like all of you, but if, if someone were to draft him in the second, I'm probably not losing. I'm still not losing sleep over it. But if he kind of, if I like who I've taken, you know, my first couple of picks, um, and if I need a DB, and if he falls to me in the third, I have no problem with him there in the third in that third round area. You know, and if you're someone like me who's got all this Buddha. I've got a. I might be scrambling here, boys. <laughs> I may need to. Uh, I may need to reinforce the troops. Yeah, seriously. So, Lee, you're in the middle of, uh, let's say, a startup draft. It's an it's an IDP draft, and you're staring down the choice between Jabril Peppers and Xavier McKinney. Which one are you pushing the button on? Uh, for me, I think probably Xavier McKinney just because he's coming in younger. Jabril Peppers has had the injury concerns anyways. Um, he missed a little bit of the year last year. Um, I just think he's – I like an aggressive defensive back anyways just because I like that style of football. So personally, I'd go Xavier McKinney. Um, specifically for our league, you, if you get points for return yards or if you're a punt return or anything, Jabril mm-hmm. Peppers is nice to have. Um, but I think overall style of play, I'd probably rather have Xavier McKinney. Mm-hmm. Yep, I think I agree. It would depend on the league settings, though. Peppers is a nice option if you do get the return yard. It's just kind of a little cheat code player there. Yep. So let's move on to another guy with a fun-to-pronounce name, which is Yitor Gross Matos, uh, lands in Carolina alongside Derek Brown. So they're clearly trying to rebuild this defensive line that got pushed around like crazy in 2019. Mm-hmm. So uh, this was another guy very highly thought of, another one that ESPN loved telling all of his life's saddest stories. But, Mike, setting aside the tragedy that Gross Matos has come from, what do you like about him as a prospect? This was a really good spot. I I really liked his spot. Um, You could tell 
from the draft that Carolina wanted to fix their defense. They were one of the worst defenses. Um, they are converting from a 34 to a 43. Um, so I don't see Matos getting that that LB designation, so he should play on the edge. I know if you play in the ESPN leagues now, it really doesn't matter, but any other leagues where you do have split designations, he should remain a, a defensive lineman, and I really, really like the spot for um, for Matos. I mean, he's I think he's going to be a problem for offensive linemen, really good athleticism. Um, he can kick inside on sub packages. He is a little bit raw, but I think he can be a, a bully on the edge. He's got really good moves. Um he can get consistent pressure, and I think him and Brian Burns are going to be um, are going to be issues for for opposing defense or for opposing offenses. Yeah, this was a a draft that clearly said for Matt Rule, I'm comfortable with my offense. Mm-hmm. I'm going to build up this defense, which for a long time was the heartbeat of that Carolina team. They were known as a tough physical defense. Addy, what did you think there? You got Brian Burns, like Mike said, lining up on the other side. You know, you're still you got Derek Brown in the middle, but this is a team that's lost a lot of defensive talent, but they do have some up and coming stars. Are you worried or do you feel better about this Carolina defense? What's your temperature on them post draft? Yeah, that's a good that's a good discussion. Would would you guys have rather have seen them take uh, Isaiah Simmons over Derek Brown? I, I think yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I don't know if you saw, I think Carolina actually addressed it and said something to the effect of, yeah, we considered Simmons, but you know what? We passed on him because he we thought he would be better suited on a, a team that needed a veteran. And I'm just like, why would you gift somebody a player? like What are you? I mean... I'm like this, that can't be real, but I think Simmons probably would have been a better pick. Um, but I think they they addressed a need with corner um, with Bradbury gone. So yeah, but yeah, I think Simmons. I think at that point you needed to take the best player available. I think Simmons was the best player available, but you know they addressed a need with with CJ Henderson. Yeah, it would have been nice uh, because you have both a linebacker vacancy there and also a safety vacancy with Eric Mm -hmm. Reed being pushed out the door. So, man, I would have felt a lot better about Simmons had he landed in Carolina. And could you imagine going from Luke Keekley to Isaiah Simmons? Oh, gosh, I know. That would have been fun. uh, (laughs) I'm I'm very happy for for my Shaq Thompson shares that he's going to he's going to eat this year. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Lee. Thank you, Lee. That was a nice trade. You have um, Mike Evans, though, Lee, so you're good. Yeah, that was that was the Mike Evans trade, wasn't it, Lee? It was, he was involved, yeah. Yes, exactly. So, uh, all right, so I think we, we really like Gross Matos there in Carolina, but let's move down now to the second defensive back that we're going to talk about. Um, and this was a guy I found very interesting in our discussion with Joey in that, and Mike, I'll be curious to get your take if you saw the same things. Uh, Joey said that Grant Delpit, the new Brown safety, great in coverage, not the best tackler. Did you notice the same thing when you were watching Delpit? Yeah, I think the, yeah, that that's that was is one of my primary concerns. I think between uh 2018-2019 if if I if I looked at it correctly, he had 36 missed tackles. So, combination of probably bad angles or or um over pursuit or just maybe bad fundamentals. Yeah, 36 missed tackles is is really is really tough, but um he's a big hitter. Um 
I, I think he's going to play. Um, I think he's going to really ma- match up well against tight ends, maybe some other slot receivers. Uh, but yeah, he needs to he needs to improve tackling, and and I'm hoping um, that's addressed. It's going to be tough with the way the league is going, just because I don't know if you guys know this. There's an unprecedented virus spreading around the United States, so you know it's going to make things what? tough to yeah, really. So I you know the off season programs are. <laughs> so I, you know, the the off season programs are going to be are going to be tough to um, tough to project or tough to really predict. Um, I think I'm not sure how you know. I think Carl Joseph he was only in for a one year, and I think Joseph might play more of that deep safety because I think he did a li- he did more of that in Oakland, played more of the the deeper safety. So I think that's probably what's going to happen with Cleveland. Delp would probably play along maybe with more of the slot, maybe in the box on the line. So that's kind of what I'm projecting. But yes, he um, is spot on. He, he needs to he needs to become a better tackler. Yeah, you all needed a safety. We talked about this a lot when we were doing the free agency preview. Mm-hmm. So you have to be you know excited that they filled a position of need. Mm-hmm. Um, do you see Delpit coming in and getting significant stamps right away? Who else is going to play? I mean, there's nobody really there. I, I, I mean, Sheldrick Redrine, okay. Um, I think he's already one of the. I think he's already the. You know, these rookies. Some of these rookies are already better than what they're replacing um, for who's there. And and Redwine, I think, is only entering maybe a secondary of his third year at most. So um, it's not like he's replacing a, a grizzled veteran that is produced. So um, I think where they took him, uh, I, I think you'd have to have Delpit in. Um, uh, right at the get go. Yeah, Addy, is this is Delpit your DB two in terms of rookies right now? Yeah, he's in the mix. I don't know. There's there's a lot of those guys kind of lumped in there together. I think there's a there's a definite drop off from McKinney, mm-hmm. but I'm probably not going to target any of these safeties as far as fantasy goes. I'll 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 wait on 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 those guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is that how you're looking at this in terms of uh, safeties, Lee? Are you going to be reaching for any of these guys if you're in a rookie draft or just maybe like in the fourth or fifth round or try to grab them in the auction? What's going to be your approach with these guys? Um, My approach, like Adam just said, there's a significant drop-off after McKinney. Um, Just the landing spots of these guys kind of makes it hard to go and reach for them. I mean, Mm -hmm. Grant Delpit has a good spot. He's going to be coming in and being an instant starter it sounds like um with him specifically he has a lot of durability issues so i question whether he'll stay healthy the whole season but um i think maybe if i had if i was comfortable with my offense and i had a few fourth or fifth rounders to burn that were probably late i'd take the shot but i'd i'd rely on more the uh the auction there yeah i think that's a good strategy so Mm -hmm. uh some good uh grant delpit uh, breakdown there, fellas. But let's move on to another DB. This one uh, we discussed on the preview pod had uh, a famous father who played for the Minnesota Vikings. Um, and it was fun because a lot of the comps I saw for this guy was actually his father. This is Antoine Winfield Jr. lands in Tampa Bay uh, to play alongside the GOAT, uh, Tom Brady. So uh, are you excited for this landing spot, Mike? I know safety in Tampa Bay. Uh, I've had some Jordan Whitehair shares or Jordan Whitehead shares. And it's not necessarily a position that has really been solidified in recent years. Do you think Winfield helps to address that? 
I hope so, but yeah, the 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 safety DB position really has not produced a whole lot of uh, of IDP fruit from that position. So I'm a little concerned with his with the spot. I mean, he's he definitely the the bloodline is there. Um, he's a ball hawk, uh, that is for sure. Um, he, he'll pick the ball off. If the ball comes near him. He's he, he's going to pick it off. Um, he's really good fundamental tackler. You could tell his dad coached him up. Um, he really, again, really good ball skills. Um, I don't know if he's really going to make, if he's really going to play on the line all that much. Um, he's kind of all over, um, uh, his snaps. I know he played mostly free safety, so I kind of think he's probably going to play a little bit more off the line. So he's probably going to be more of that big play target. Um, but, uh, but he's really, he, he's going to, he could be one of those better real life than maybe fantasy. Um, I think again, only allowed, I think, uh, a 45% uh, a completion rate ball Hawk, got the picks. So I think he's probably going to play though a little bit more um, of that center field or that ball Hawk as a, as a guy who's going to get picks and try to make plays on the ball. Yeah. CESPN already has him slotted in as the starting free safety for the bucks mm-hmm. um, alongside. He, he displaces Justin Evans. You had Jordan Whitehead there. Just been a little bit of kind of like a, a, a quagmire in terms of DB production there in Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Like you said, Mike, if he does slot in in that free safety spot, probably not a guy I'm targeting for IDP leagues. Uh, I think he'll be a really good uh, actual NFL safety. You mentioned the tackling. That was one thing that we heard as well. This guy's a ferocious, fundamentally sound tackler. Mm-hmm. So that will be uh, something that I'm sure, you know, Bruce Arians is kind of an old school coach when it comes to like, those kind of mental mistakes or yep. mistakes with your technique on the football field. Mm-hmm. We know we heard a thousand times in the run up to this draft that Jonathan Taylor probably shouldn't land in Tampa Bay with his fumbling mm-hmm. issues because Bruce Arians will put you in the doghouse. Part yeah. of the reason David Johnson lost yep. snaps to Chris Johnson uh, in his rookie year. So yeah, I don't think Winfield's a guy I'm necessarily no, looking I'm- at in terms of IDP, uh, but it was a nice NFL move. Yeah, he's going to get snaps and he's not going to yeah, he's not going to piss Arians off um with his lack of fundamentals. So he's going to be on the field, he's going to get snaps. It's just um is he going to get the tackles that are going to go along with those big plays to make him worthwhile um to use on a weekly basis and and we'll we'll get that to, we'll that is to be determined. We'll see it. Um but yeah, really good football player though. I think he'll have a lot of opportunities to create big plays. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to be in a lot of shootouts. Yeah. So, yep. Uh, you know, I do like that he's a playmaker and he's going to be put in, in that spot often, I, I think. So, yep. uh, yeah, he's probably, he's probably my favorite safety just to watch that I, that I've uh, looked at so far. Yeah. And this will be fun to see some Vikings highlights during Tampa Bay games this year, Addy, because Tampa Bay's probably going to have like five or six primetime games, if I had to guess. So you're going to get to see some fun Vikings highlights when they talk about uh, Winfield Jr. Yeah, for sure. Um, But man, I also like the fact that uh, Tampa Bay uh, drafted his teammate, Tyler Johnson. Mm -hmm. That was someone I was hoping Minnesota would get. I thought that was an obvious connection with him going to Minnesota, but Tampa Bay, they had a great draft. I really like what they did. 
Yeah, I was going to say, Lee, this was uh, something you brought up here in our notes that this continues a nice offseason for the Bucks, and you like to see them going and addressing uh, this defensive backfield and improving what had previously been a weakness for them. Yeah, they've, they've always been getting burned um, in the backfield. For me, specifically as a Rams fan, if you look at the Rams in the Tampa Bay game last year, it was just a shootout. You could really see that the uh, the defensive backfield just get burnt every single game. So I think he's he's a very good, smart player. He has really good play recognition. So it's it's more of an NFL team help as opposed to a fantasy play for me. Yeah, agree. So let's move on. Uh, we've talked about uh, Winfield Jr. And now we're going to look at a guy out of the University of Tennessee. Uh, this is Darrell Taylor, lands with the Seahawks. Um, and this is um, an athletic, explosive guy. Uh, Mike, do you see much of an impact here, though, for fantasy purposes with Taylor landing in Seattle? You know what? what's funny? I think I don't remember if it was uh, Lee or Adam. Uh mentioning Jacksonville loving their defensive ends in the first round. I think Seattle is the Jacksonville of the NFC because there's not a defensive lineman that'll escape the first round if someone is there. I think LJ Collier was a first rounder last year, if I'm not mistaken. They they love their first round defensive lineman. But yeah, I, I do like uh, the spot here. Um, I mean, really, again, when you talk about landing spots, there's really no competition for him up the, uh, up the depth chart. Um, really good move. Uh, I really liked his bull rush. Uh, had a steady workload from 17 through 19. Really good length and burst. Um, and again, really good landing spot in Seattle. Really no competition for snaps. First rounder. Um, I mean, I don't see Clowney coming back. And um, I think for 2020, I think he, you know, I put him in terms of potential redraft production. He's kind of in that tier with uh, which I saw in and Meadows. I mean, I'd target him as, you know, maybe a, a third defensive lineman um, if those other guys are gone and, you know, a guy that you can get in redraft if, depending on the, the size of your league and a guy that you can get maybe as your third or fourth and, you know, guy you could stream, guy you can plug in if there's injuries or bye weeks and, and hopefully that production pays off. Yeah, Lee, do you see this uh, marking the end of the road here for Clowney? Um, unfortunately, yeah, for me as the clowny owner, I liked what he did last year um, in Seattle. He was really tearing it up. He really made a presence. Um, yep. I think, yeah, with him, with Clowney leaving, Daryl Taylor slots nice. Like Mike said, there's no competition. So, yeah, with Clowney gone, that seems like a real good fit. Yeah, it's one of those things where we trust Pete Carroll as a defensive coach. Uh, we know he can put some productive defenses on the field. They're just in a little bit of a rebuild phase. Mm-hmm. You know, they have guys like Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright there who have been mainstays uh, for mm-hmm. them. But you're starting to see this second generation, and I think they're going to be depending pretty heavily on LJ Collier. You mentioned, mm-hmm. yeah, was a first-round pick, and now Taylor to kind of anchor this defensive line. I think Clowney's downfall was the twenty million dollar asking price. <laughs> yeah, I don't think um, that was received very well in the Seattle front office. So. The, the the market is is speaking in volumes with with hey, with don't that. Worry. He's dropped it down to eighteen. Okay, <laughs> okay, right. there you go. A little bit of a discount. How nice yeah. of him. I I, I saw it. Uh, you know, someone said it would actually be kind of smart for Clowney 
that but this this hinges in large part on if there are training camps and mm-hmm. if there are preseason games there will be a significant injury to a defensive end at some point before the season kicks off mm-hmm. so if he can hold out and wait he will have way more leverage later in the offseason so it just depends on what is he wanting to do now do you think he hasn't been side because he hasn't been able to do physicals and really get those medicals checked out? Do you think had we had a normal off season to where he could get checked out, do you think things would have changed or, or do you think it's really the asking price that is doing him in? Yes. I think it's the asking price. Okay. Adam, do you agree? Um, I don't know. That's a good point. I mean, this is like, this is an off season like we've never seen before. So that definitely could, we, we know it's held up some other stuff. Um, during free agency and all that and when when that was going on so yeah um maybe so but if if a team had offered him 20 million dollars i don't think the logistical stuff matters at all no no yeah. no He's so i gonna, think I, I think he looked out there and did not like what he saw in terms of offers coming his way so he's like well screw this i'm just gonna sit back and wait and see mm-hmm. what happens I think if you I think if you look at it too, he missed a few games towards the end of the season last year. So the physical thing probably has some to do with the two. The asking price is huge, of course. That's no that's a no brainer. But Mm -hmm. we saw the same thing with Michael Brockers where he went to get signed by the Ravens, ended up couldn't getting a or couldn't get the physical, didn't pass the physical, whatever it was, um, and then came back and signed with the Rams. So Mm -hmm. it could be a situation like that where there's they're kind of scared off by what he put out there at the end of last season um, being hurt. A lot of it's probably the asking price, too. So I think that's that's definitely something to look at. Yep. Yeah. So let's move on to another defensive lineman that uh, I'm excited for. I think he landed in a great situation here in Buffalo. This is A.J. Epinesa. Uh, Mike, when you looked at the film on Epinesa, what jumped out to you the most about this guy? Um, I think his... Um his just his some of his quickness and some of his moves um i i i'm for 2020 i think he's going to you know he's he kind of that Shaq Lawson replacement but they did bring in Mario Addison so but i think if i think he can hit the 600 snap mark so i think if he hits that 600 snap mark um i think he could have um you know some redraft value but um in terms of overall, I think you like him a little bit more than more than I do. I don't know why. There was just something about him. I don't know what it is. Um, I, for landing spots, I think I like some of the other guys a little bit better. But, um, you know, good size, though. I don't think he's going to be bullied. Um, pretty fluid. Good hands. Um, but, yeah, if he can get that 600 snap mark, um, I think he could be, you know, pretty useful in redraft, especially if um, if they move on from Trent Murphy, because that'll free up a few extra snaps there on the edge as well. Yeah, it's all about the snaps, as we know. Addy, where does Epinesa fall now that we actually know the landing spot in terms of your def- rookie defensive lineman? Um, he's probably going to be like, you know, anywhere from like DL three to five, somewhere in that range. I think he's going to get a lot, a lot, lot of opportunity just because, uh, you know, Jordan Phillips is gone. Shaq Lawson mm-hmm. is gone. Um, so I think he will be used right away. And, uh, at Oliver, that's, that's going to be nice to have mm-hmm. next to you as a rookie. Yep. 
Yeah, absolutely. Lee, did you, what were your thoughts? It sounds like maybe the room's a little mixed here on the landing spot. Did you like uh, Epinesa landing in Buffalo? I liked it with Shaq Lawson leaving. It definitely fills that hole. Um, I, for me personally, I think he just plays slow. His hands are quick. Um, he, he's NFL ready, but I don't think we're going to get the type of production that a lot of people might think we will get. So this may be, it sounds like, potentially a bit of a stash. Not a guy that you're going to count on for 2020, but maybe down-the-road production. So are you thinking maybe like a taxi squad type of deal, yeah. or do you think kind of like um, like a, a good roster stash? So are you, are you thinking like taxi squad maybe for this year, maybe next year? Yeah, I think I think taxi squad would be the way to go with Epinesa. Yeah, Addy, were you going to say something? Uh, yeah, I don't remember what it was, though. Okay, cool. Well, <laughs> that's a great place to end it for AJ. So we'll move on. We'll move on here to the uh, the Chiefs uh, landed Willie Gay Jr. Now, I don't know. I'm going to be honest. I don't know a lot about Willie. So, Mike, fill us in. Who is this? Yes, who is this Willie Gay Jr. character? He's a guy that has off-the-field issues. Um, so someone that – or a guy that – Kansas City really doesn't uh, shy away from taking, but you know he's he's had some character concerns. Uh, but when you've wa- when I saw him play, he looked like one of the better players that were on the field. Um, I think he was on track for a, a pretty solid 2019 season um, with MSU, but injuries and a suspension just kind of fell the season. Um, he's got a really good build, and I really like the landing spot in KC. Again, kind of like Baltimore, there's really nobody there um, to really have uh, that is really in competition on the depth chart. Um, one of the things that I like is that there's a it's a good veteran locker room, plus it's a championship locker room. So he's not entering a, a situation where it's either a, a losing mentality or there's you know, trouble going off the field. I think Teron Matthew is going to be a good mentor for him. Um, and I think as long as he, he has addressed those character concerns, I think he's someone who, who can be productive right away um, for Kansas city. Yeah. Like you said, not, not a lot of competition there. It sounds like Willie could get some run early, Addy. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to see Tyree kill, take him under his wing. Yeah, gosh, no, I was thinking. No. I was thinking of Kareem Hunt when it came to the character issues. I forgot about the old child puncher Tyreek Hill. Uh, well, and yeah. Did you guys know about uh, Edward Tulare was apparently involved in like uh, uh, a murder situation? Where- I saw someone tweet about this that he literally murdered a guy. Is that like it was? It, it was legally. It was self defense. Apparently. Um, so that's the type of guy I want on my roster. Yeah. Oh yeah. And we're going to, we're, we're, let's spin it to, uh, he saved someone's life. So yes. And also chiefs, can you just maybe, I don't know, go for some of these high character guys, not these guys <laughs> who've been embroiled in like, you know, um, uh, child abuse, uh, you know, uh, you know, killings. Like, can we just get some guys Did that are just normal the Miami university of the NFL? <laughs> <laughs> 
It is the you. It is the you for sure. Yeah, they literally could have picked any running back, and they chose the one that uh, was involved in the murder. So, yeah. All right. Came here to murder you, in the words of forgetting Sarah Marshall. So, uh, good stuff on Willie Gay Jr. I like what you said, Mike, that this could be a guy to pay attention to because the opportunity could be there as long as he doesn't team up with Tyreek Hill and go on a murder spree. So, uh, great analysis there. Yeah, Let's not the mentor about- I want him to, to be around. Definitely <laughs> no, not no. Hill. Stay with Definitely Matthew, not. not Hill. That's right. Stay with the honey badger. Mm-hmm. So um, this is a guy I know. The next one we're going to talk about here, a DB that Bobby was very high on when Joey had a choice between Ashton Davis and Jeremy Chin to talk about as the last DB on our preview. He chose Davis. Bobby wanted him to talk about Jeremy Chin, who lands with the Panthers. So again, we see Carolina grabbing one of these uh, high-profile IDP guys. Uh, so with Eric Reed gone, are you intrigued at all uh with jeremy chan mike yes um he's still pretty raw but with eric reed gone um i think he's another one of those guys um that can slot in he might play a little bit more deep but he's very fast cover ground still a bit raw he can play box he can play slot and he can play deep so i think that's what he's going to be asked to do in uh in that revamped 4-3 defense so i think he's someone who can hit the field um immediately in 2020. So I, I do like the spot for him. Yeah. Lee, do you see this guy as maybe a little bit of a hybrid type player? Definitely. I mean, with his size and his speed, he's like the mix between uh, safety and linebacker. Um, I, I think he can play well when he knows what's going on. It looks from the tape that he kind of lacks instincts and reactions time. reaction time. Um, I see he gets faked out easily, but I think that's that's just experience um once you get to once he gets to carolina and starts getting some more reps under his belt he'll start to he'll start to form pretty easily i think it'll be a good pick yeah it seems like we've mentioned maybe don't look at uh some of these dbs in terms of your rookie draft uh but it could be a guy that maybe mike you see as a potentially like a um end of the year kind of a guy that's gaining steam gaining Mm -hmm. traction could be a nice end of the year pickup potentially yeah, it could be one of those middle of the year, end of the year waiver wire pick, waiver wire heroes. Um, he's probably not someone in, in redraft that I'll probably reach for in a draft. Um, I think he's going to go, especially in redraft leagues, I think he is probably going to go undrafted. Um, have him on your radar on a watch list. Um, he'll probably be drafted in dynasty leagues, especially if you guys are playing in some insanely deep leagues where, you know, you've got a roster 40, 45, 50 players. Um He's definitely going to be drafted in Dynasty, but I think in redraft, I think he's probably going to go undrafted. You'll be able to pick him up potentially on the waiver wire if he gets off to a, a pretty good start, if he does get a starting role. So, yeah, for sure. I think um, if he gets coached up, kind of, you know, uh, studies, um, you know, takes his craft seriously. I think he's definitely someone who can uh, um, hit the field. Yeah, uh, definitely will have the opportunity. I think he's going to be this year's Taylor Taylor Rapp. That's a good comp. That's a great comp. Nice job, Addy. Thank you. It was fun. It was <laughs> it was fun hearing Bobby say that he's a chin guy. Uh, you know, <laughs> not a body part that typically yeah. gets a lot of love, but good for Bobby admitting that he is into strong jawlines. That's uh, that's that's big of him. And I don't know why. Whenever I hear of chin, I just think of uh, Chim Richards. 
uh, from Anchorman. I just yeah, this is this is this is Chim, Doctor Chim Richards. I don't know what I what I think of that when I hear Chin. I but we all have our associations that we think yep. of when we hear guys' names. Yep. So uh, <laughs> let's let's move now to the next guy that we're going to be talking about. This was um, a linebacker for the Bengals, Logan Wilson. I believe he was taken. Uh, does anybody know off the top of their heads where Logan was taken? Was he was he third round? Third round. Third round. Top of the third round. Yep. Top of the third round. That's what I thought. So, uh, Lee, let's start with you. What were your thoughts on Logan Wilson watching the tape, kind of studying this guy? Yeah, with Logan Wilson, he's a great run stopper. Um, he's got real big size, real productive. I think he is a textbook two-down linebacker. Um, he didn't do too well in coverage. Um, he's very aggressive, not very agile. So that classic two-down linebacker. Um I think he'll he'll definitely dominate. He'll step right in. I think with Nick Vigil leaving too, that's that's a huge spot for him to slot in. Yeah, Mike, it seems like when we talk about these linebacker deserts, you know, places where there's lots of opportunity to be had. Um, I know that, uh, Addy, we're a fan of your boy, Jermaine Pratt, but this, you have to admit, Mike, there's some opportunity to be had there in Cincinnati. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, especially with them not really adding any of those, uh, those big name, uh, big name catches that were out there. Um, I mean, they settled for what Josh Bynes. Um, so, you know, you know, veteran, not someone that you're going to build around. Um, I think they got a, a, a potential three down. I think he's someone who has a good build that can play the middle. Um, and I think they got a, a nickel guy that can play all three downs. I think he's got the, um, uh, the instincts. I think he's got the, uh, the athleticism. So, um, I think he can play three downs. Now, let's just go ahead and add in our last guy that we're going to discuss here because he lands in the same mm-hmm. linebacking core as Logan Wilson. Uh, this is Akeem Davis Gaither. Mike, the Bengals are clearly telling us we need to revamp this linebacking core. How do you see Pratt, uh, Davis Gaither, and uh, Wilson kind of uh, kind of? working together in the 2020 season. How's that going to shake out? Well, I really liked Davis Gaither. I was wondering why he was dropping and then saw a tweet this morning that he is not only dealing with a foot issue, but a potential bone on bone knee problem. And that explained to me, Oh, that's why he doesn't have a team. Um, Fourth round. He was the first pick of the fourth round um, today. I, you know what? I, I, I honestly don't know what to make of, of it. I didn't, I think this is the first time hearing really of the knee problem. Um, it's a little bit of a concern. It's definitely going to put some, put an impact on his 2020. Um, I, I'll probably write him up as someone to, to keep an eye on and redraft for 2020 in case the knee isn't as big of a deal, but when I hear bone on bone, that just tells me, and I'm, I'm not a medical expert, but if I hear bone on bone, that just means there's nothing left in the knee. There's no cartilage. There's no nothing. And and that's just going to be a degenerative issue. So I am, there is a little bit of concern. Um, cause I love, I really liked him and he's, I was ready to write him up, um, as a guy to target. I thought he was going to be date, you know, a uh, um, a second round pick and, read this morning and it's a little bit of a concern. So I, I don't, I'll be honest. I don't really know what to make of him as of now until those medicals and until more information about his knee injury comes, comes to light. 
Yeah, it's funny you mentioned, Mike, that you're not a medical professional. I'm not either, and near, uh, neither is Adam. But Lee actually is a medical professional. So, Dr. Leesus, How wrong us. was I? How wrong was I? <laughs> educate us on what bone-on-bone bone means, Lee. I mean, bone-on-bone bone means there's no synovial fluid there. There's nothing to help lubricate that action. So, every time okay. he takes a step, every time he runs, he feels it. That hurts, yeah. and that's going to limit you trying to run. Um his his strengths there at Appalachian State was he was very versatile, very fast. So if he's got those issues where bone on bone, every time he steps, every time he runs, that's definitely going to hinder him. Um, I think if you look at it like Todd Gurley, if it's managed okay, it's it's going to be fine. He he had his productions, um, injured it in college. He turned out okay. Uh, the last few years were a little bit rough for him. So I think if it, if it's managed right, it's going to be fine. Um, but it all kind of depends on where it is because if you don't have some of those structures in one spot, like you have a very limited area where that bone on bone actually is. Mm-hmm. It's something that's manageable. But I mean, it depends on how much of that is actually gone because if, if his whole knee is tore up, his whole knee is tore up. But it's it's something that needs to be monitored. It's something that needs to be looked at by their medical staff, um, which can't take place until all this kind of uh quarantine stuff blows over so it's it's something to watch at this point yeah Addy. now we go to you for your medical rebuttal to what lee just said <laughs> yeah at uh his knee his knee's blown guys <laughs> <laughs> that knee is screwed up i was trying to think it's screwed up is that, that the medical is that the proper that's the medical terminology, terminology. It's yes screwed i was up. trying to think of the other player that had bone on bone was that todd Gurley lee uh, I believe Sony, so. Sony Michelle. Sony Michelle. Sony okay. Michelle that was the other guy. Yeah. And we see Sony hasn't quite had the career. I think that a lot of, uh, you know, fans expected that he would. So Definitely. it is, it is a real issue. And, um, you know, I think just hearing this and seeing the draft capital, Logan Wilson is the guy I'm going to be looking at mm-hmm. alongside Jermaine Pratt there in the Cincinnati linebacking core. Would you agree with that kind of ranking there, Mike? Uh, yeah, at this point, yeah, it's it's going to be Wilson. It's probably going to be Pratt. Um, I think had Gaither had just the foot injury and the the info about his knee hadn't hadn't surfaced. Um, I think it would have affected Pratt a whole lot more uh, for this year um, than it's going to. But yeah, I think for for this year, I think um, I think uh, you're you I'd be comfortable targeting Pratt later um, in kind of that same area as Wilson. But yeah, I was just really bummed um, about Davis Gaither and because I thought he would have fit in really well with Cleveland. So I was kind of surprised that Cleveland didn't take him when they took. Um, oh, God, was it was a Brooks. Um, a Jordan, I think they took a Jordan. I can't remember the linebacker's name offhand, but um, either way, I was kind of surprised. He, I thought he would have fit in well with his coverage ability. So as soon as he started slipping, I'm like, something's up here. Yeah, it was uh, something that was kind of funny to monitor, and that was Jacob Phillips, it looks like, the Browns yeah. took at 97, yeah. because that was uh, something where it was like, why is this guy still on the board? Mm-hmm. That tweet comes out, and then the Bengals literally pick him about 15 minutes after it, that yeah, tweet liter- Yeah, literally. Yeah, seriously, literally 15 It was It was like, all right, Cincinnati's up, Akeem Davis, get I'm like, you uh, son of yeah. a... 
Did they not? Did they uh, were they reading the tweet? Did they not care? Did they they know about? I'm sure they know about the knee issue, but that is a little bit worrisome. And um, we'll see how it all shakes out. Uh, Cincinnati, another interesting team. We talked about the Cardinals on the rise. The Bengals, for me, are kind of that AFC equivalent. Where if Joe Burrow is the real deal, mm-hmm. he is the rising tide that lifts all the boats for the Bengals. Yeah. Yep. And those linebackers, you know, they'll be productive, too, because teams are going to be, you know, in shootouts like we saw in Arizona. Jordan Hicks, Buda Baker, all those guys were on the field so much and were definitely near the top of the league leaders. Yep. Yeah. So, guys, I want to wrap up here. That was the last player that we had to discuss. So uh, I want to end on this question because I think IDP players right now are trying to figure out who are the guys that I should be really thinking about in terms of adding players to my rosters? So I want you all to think, and I'll go first to give you all some time to brainstorm. But as you look at this list, could be other guys not on this list as well. Who is the rookie that you think you will have the most shares of in 2020 and beyond? And for me, as much as the um, ambiguity is going to be frustrating, I think my most owned rookie is going to be Isaiah Simmons. For one reason, he is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And I know that's not necessarily the best approach when it comes to building <laughs> your fantasy roster, but, um, you know, this is a guy I'm just going to believe in the talent. I'm going to mm-hmm. believe that he is going to find a role and find production and the points will find him. So for me, it's going to yeah. be Isaiah Simmons. What about you, Addy? It was actually the exact same thing. And, but maybe I have a little bit of a different answer as to why. Um, it's just going to be cost. I think that he's going to slide. Um, and I think you might be able to, and maybe not, maybe the name value will carry him. Yeah. And it'll go higher than we think. Um, but I think he may slide to the back of the second early third. And if that's the case, I'm going to, I'll scoop him there. I'm totally fine being patient and waiting, waiting on him because again, I'm with you. I think he's special. He's someone that I just want to have on my team pretty much. Yeah. Uh, Extremely drippy. We, we know all that stuff. We know he has it, the swag. It would be pretty cool to have him. It, <laughs> yes. Right. Of course. It would be pretty cool to have him and Buddha both, uh, you know, on my team. So absolutely. Yeah. Adam, Mike, if you didn't know, Adam's off season has been driven by drip. Uh, who has the swag? Who has that kind of intangible, you know, the tattoos, the hair, you know, the, the cool, like, uh, arm sleeves and stuff, the visors, yeah. all that. It all factors in. Mike so, gets it. Mike, Mike's got, got it. some drip of his own. He yes, it. he understands. So Lee, let's go to you. Who's going to be your most owned IDP rookie this year and beyond? Um, I, I'm really partial to Patrick Queen. I loved watching him at LSU. He's just a phenomenal linebacker stepping into just the starting role of a Ravens defense that loves to dominate. He's He gets to the ball every time. So I think he's at a pretty good spot where I'd be okay taking him middle of the second. Um, and I think getting that pivotal linebacker one on your team is really something that we all strive for because it's just rough to try to go and find these free agents to sign where they'll get you – 12 points one game, but two points next in a row. And I really think Patrick Queen is going to be a guy that will stay consistent for many years to come. Yep. Don't have any disagreements there whatsoever, Lezus. So, Mike, let's wrap up with you. Who's the rookie that you're going to have the most shares of? Well, I'm not in many leagues where I get 
points per smiles or points per joy or cheer. So I get that he's going to be fun to watch and I can't wait for the Simmons Kittle matchups. I think those are going to be really fun to watch. Um, but no, he's, he's a, a talented player and I have, you know, if, if he's your guy, I I'm always a proponent. You know what? You can ask me who I like, but if you, if you like a guy, you know what? I'm not going to talk you out. Go get your guy. We're fantasy football is supposed to be fun. If you like somebody, right. go get him, go get him. I'm, who am I to say no? You can't take him. So no, Simmons is, is going to be um, certainly up there. But I think in terms of my target, I can definitely see me or having a lot of shares of Patrick Queen this year. Uh, maybe with Simmons a little bit behind, but definitely, um, definitely Patrick Queen will probably be the guy that I target. Yeah, Mike. If you tell me not to own a guy, I'm not going to own him. So <laughs> yeah. you, you have a lot of power over here. Yeah, yeah. seriously. Well, I got to join your, I'm going to join a couple of your leagues and I'm going to be like, Josh, don't take Isaiah Simmons. Don't take Chase Young. They're horrible. Don't draft those. Don't take any fantasy relevant players at all. That's right. Stop. They're all mics. I'm just like, have the little like circles, like hypnosis on my (laughs) eyes. I'm not going to be able to not do what you say. So, well, guys, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, Lee, we appreciate you uh, pinch hitting tonight for Bobby. Uh, it was a lot of fun having you on the pod. We will definitely have you back here soon. You, uh, you know, to, to throw it to the ESPN kind of uh, angle here for just a sec, you are actually on the front lines uh, helping to keep people safe and healthy during this coronavirus pandemic. So thank you, sir, for uh, your service to this country and uh, helping to keep uh, people safe and well. So you stay safe and well yourself, man. I know this is a a scary time, so stay safe. We'll have you back on the pod here soon. Thank you for all that you're doing. And uh, Addy, always a pleasure, sir, to uh, be in your presence in StreamYard or otherwise. Hope to be in the Sochek. (laughs) He is. He is. I hope to be in the Sochek with him very soon. Yes, I think we're all just, you know... We're all overall just pleased, I think, you know, <laughs> very pleasured and pleased. No, doubt. I've been pleased for the last hour and a half. <laughs> Absolutely. It's been a lot of fun. So, Mike, as always, man, we really appreciate you coming on and uh, educating us. And uh, we look forward to some of the work that you have coming up. So give us a plug Twitter handle. What do you have coming up? What can we look forward to as far as your work? Yeah. Follow me, Twitter at Mike Wollert at Mike underscore Wollert. Um, always happy to talk IDP, talk everything. We're in that kind of now getting into it. So writing is starting. Um, have all the, the rookie articles that will be coming out shortly. And uh, I'm just ready for, for some football. I'm ready for some real sports. Um, so the draft was a good escape. And uh, yeah, just and these is, you know, stay safe. Thank you. Stay healthy. Yeah. Thanks Lee. And uh, Mike, so you have this uh, rookie linebacker article coming out here pretty soon on four for four. Yep. Um, I know you're doing some writing uh, with DLF as well. So be sure to get a subscription to both of those sites. I have subscriptions to both. They're phenomenal. Uh, Your four for four article. You're still going to have the green dot over there this year, right? Oh yeah, I think um, I think at this point, if if that were to leave, I think there would be some sort of a, a mutiny. Um, I don't want any problems at four for four headquarters, so I'm gonna yeah, that'll that that that'll definitely be returning. I think it's definitely going to be a staple. 
All right, good. I'm glad to hear it. So go grab you a four for four subscription as well as one to Dynasty League Football. This is it for the Megapod. I think we this is the first pod that's going to cross the three hour barrier for the big three IDP podcast. So, Mike, thanks for being part of history. Uh, We'll have you back on here very soon. If for you know, no other pod than to talk about your Cleveland Browns when we do the AFC North preview series later this summer. But Absolutely. we'll have you on before then. So yep. uh, keep entertaining us and keeping us informed. Uh, and thank you all for listening. We hope you enjoyed the NFL draft. Hope you enjoyed this recap pod. And uh, we'll see you guys next week with another episode of the Big Three IDP podcast. Until then, signing off for Adam, Lee, and Mike. This is Josh. We will catch you all next week. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Big3IDP.